Wanna go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. The only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the 4th Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 14. Big show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you. You know, I've got a special guest today. You know what it is. It's Sunday, right? We're cracking the vault. One of my old player interviews. And actually this one uh, was one of the very first, I think it was what the 7th uh, or 8th interview that I, or episode that I did on my old on my old platform. And this was with Dan Kopeck. And this is a lot, this interview was a lot of fun. Um, Dan played in the Western Hockey League with the Brandon Wheat Kings, and then uh, closed out with the Spokane Chiefs. Played with the Wayburn Red Wings in the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League as an overager, um, and then he went down and played in the minors. <coughs> Pardon me. And then uh, you know with uh, the Wichita Thunder, uh, Raleigh Icecaps, uh, Augusta Lynx, and uh, you know putting up three hundred penalty minutes. Dan. Uh, Dan's a big dude, big D-man, uh, didn't fool around, I'll tell you, and he could throw down, and if you go to my YouTube channel, I got I have a few of Dan's fights, not many though, I gotta, I gotta grab some and put some more up, but, uh, and then he closed out his career, uh, after wheeling, um, he went and played, of course, with the notorious Laval Chiefs, and, uh, I don't think it was the LNH then, I think it was still the, uh, the Quebec, uh, Senior Pro Hockey League, or whatever they were called, QSPHL, or whatever it was called, but, oh yeah, we talk about... Patrick Cote and Craig Martin and uh, Razanzoff and Terrio and all the boys and Dan's got some great stories and uh, we had a, we had a lot of fun talking uh, with this with this interview and um, yeah I think you guys will really dig it but um, yeah and if you haven't uh, please go back and uh, and check out my like I said this is episode fourteen so uh, you know go back and check out uh, my last episode that I put out was my interview with Clark Wilm. Um, he was great, you know, talk, like I said, Western Hockey League and went on to play with the Calgary Flames and the uh, Leafs and Predators and uh, we break it all down. You know how we do it around here. And uh, other than that, um, yeah, I, again, I encourage everybody. Oh, hold on. Oh, there we go. I'm actually recording this intro on like a Friday. So, um, you know, I, not a lot of beer drinking on Sunday, but on Fridays we're getting after it. But I got something else here coming up here for you guys. But, um, <clears throat> like I said, uh, you know, 13 other episodes, and uh, I, I encourage everybody to check them out. These vault episodes have been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun bringing, uh, that was one of the things when I started up with the podcast network here that I told the guys. I said, I'll, I'll certainly do, um, you know, new content on Wednesdays. Um, but I, I really wanted to make sure my old player interviews got re-released and put back up on the internet. Um, cause I felt I owed it to the guys and I really, and I really was proud of the interviews. And, uh, so far I've had John Morastes, um, McIntyre, McMorrow, Joey Tedarenko, um, you know, and, 
and, and, and it's been a lot of fun and, uh, you know, to revisit them. Dean Mayrad. Um, so I highly encourage everybody to go back and, uh, like I said, if you haven't, didn't listen to them in the first, they're new to you, right? So, uh, you know, and I mean, nothing's time sensitive on them. They're sort of evergreen, right? So, um, you know, I definitely, uh, I, I recommend that. And then plus the, uh, you know, every Wednesday, like I said, is new content. So, um, I said, I got seven new episodes out too. And, uh, you know, and coming up for everybody on Twitter. And if you're not on Twitter, I know it's social media and I get, believe me, I get it. It's social media. But if you're not on Twitter, uh, I would suggest just for this very reason, create an account. Very simple. Boom, boom. You get it done in two minutes. Don't even have to put a profile picture up. Just be a little egg and quickly go when it says, follow, just go type in fourth line voice. You'll see my account come up. You know, with the little, with the, with the logo, Maple Leaf with the fist coming through it. Click on follow. And in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to start, uh, what is it? Two, two Saturdays from now will be the fourth annual Bob Probert Invitational Twitter tournament. And these are a lot of fun guys. This is actually initially what got my Twitter account. I don't blown up because I'm not that big, but you know, in, in relative, in terms of, of Twitter, I have quite a few followers. I almost have 6,000 followers. So it's a fairly, you know, decent size account. Um, but this is what really took the account off to begin with was the very first Bob Probert Invitational. And so everybody's sitting there thinking, what am I talking about? Okay. Well, I come up with a list of 64 of hockey's toughest guys, you know, Ben Wilson, Tony Twist, Joey Koser, uh, Clark Gillies, you know, Brian McGratton, Bugard, Larock, all the boys, all the names that you can think of. 64 toughest guys make like a March Madness style bracket. It's all computer generated. So, you know, I don't know what the matchups are going to be. I just type in the names and, and, uh, and assign them each a uh, number, one through 64. You hit the random generator on the computer and, uh, whatever number comes up. Oh, number seven versus number 36. Well, there we go. It's Bugard versus Clark Gillies. And boom, boom, boom. We go down the list like that. So, of course, obviously, for the first, uh, you know, we create 32 bouts. And, uh, and then each day we do a different round. And, uh, and it's just, and then we just, and it's a vote, online vote. And, uh, and people really get into it. And, uh, it's a lot of fun. And, uh, it usually takes about a week and a half to do. So I want to get it done because I've, I heard, Today that the NHL season is starting back up. I can't, what did they say, July 10th or something. So I wanted to get this done before, uh, you know, the NHL season kicks back up. Because once that happens, you know, every, everything else will kind of get, get fall. People, you know, the, the tournaments sort of fall on deaf ears and whatever. But right now, um, I actually wanted to get it up this, this coming up Saturday. But I want to do, um, last couple years, I've done a, one of my episodes has been like a Bob, like a, bracket preview show and uh steve from when probert was king has done them and um and we always have a lot of fun just talking about the matchups and the guys and uh, like i said it's just it's two old farts talking about the yesteryear right and uh you know and it's all hypothetical and it's for fun and we're not here to knock any of the guy we sucks you know we're not doing that no it's just who we think would win and uh and we just sort of share you know antidotal stories about so and so but um you know, and I, I plan on, on doing that, uh, for this year as well. And it kind of, it was all sort of like a last minute, uh, deal again. So I kind of decided to stretch the tournament out, uh, or start it later. Cause, uh, the gentleman this year that I want to get have come on the program, um, I won't say who it is yet because we haven't obviously recorded. So I don't want to, 
you know, hold his feet to the fire and, you know, make sure he has to come on. But, uh, I talked to him today and we've, he's never been on a podcast before, but, uh, old school guy. I've known him for 20 years. Um, or we've, you know, we've traded tapes and tapes. How's that one? Dating ourselves. Some VHS tapes back in the day. And he's an interesting cat, although despite, he doesn't seem to think so, but I think he'll do great in this. And, uh, not knocking Steve. Steve was great. Uh, but I just wanted to kind of put a different voice on it this year and just get a different perspective. Speaking of Steve, uh, that was one of my very first episodes on the new platform here was, um, Steve talking about his top 25 of all time. And uh, when Probert was King.com, go check it out. It was a really, uh, really fun episode. And Steve breaks down his, his list and, and, uh, the who and the why. And, uh, and it, it started, it created a lot of, uh, conversation. And it was a lot of fun to do. So, uh, I definitely recommend you guys, um, you know, for you old school fans to definitely check that out. But, uh, yeah, so the Bob Probert Invitational is coming up. And those, that's always a fun, uh, fun time. And like, I, you know, with, of course, with the virus and everything changing the world and timetables and everything else, it's kind of throwing a wrench in. But normally I always like to kind of do the Probert Invitational Tournament sort of around this time, right when the, uh, the annual Bob Probert Charity Motorcycle Ride would happen. And, I've, and you know, I tried to kind of coincide the two and, you know, to, to sort of bring up some, bring um, some awareness to that as well. And this tournament... Um, on Twitter has been really cool as, as Bob Probert's widow, Danny and, uh, Bob's kids. They, uh, follow, uh, follow me on Twitter and, uh, they, they really enjoy the tournament as well. So that was really cool to get the endorsement from them as well. So, um, yeah. So I, again, I know it's social media and a lot of people don't, don't like social media, which I completely understand. Believe me, I hate Twitter most days too. But, uh, if you're going to, if you, if you could just sign up for none, for anything less, uh, than to, uh, just to vote on the tournament. Like I said, it, uh, it's a lot of fun and, and jump in, throw in some conversation about each fight. And, uh, you know, that's the, that's the whole point is to, uh, like I said, uh, once hockey starts up again and, you know, we're inundated with, uh, Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and, you know, uh, get tweets or, you know, and Ovechkin and the rest of them. And, you know, the, the old timers will get forgotten again. So, like I said, for at least a cup, for at least a week and a half, let's get Twitter talking about, uh, you know, um, Tiger Williams and Ben Wilson for a little while. I think that'll be fun. But, uh, yeah, so that was the one, the one thing I wanted to bring up that, uh, um, before I get into this episode. But also, guys, this is, this is a big deal here. And I hate to do this to you. But, of course, being, uh, a show here on the Hockey Podcast Network, um, I was told that, and I haven't done this and I've been missing it and, um, you know, they kind of gave me, they didn't give me shit, but it was sort of in, you know, I was told that, uh, you know, I should, uh, I should start doing some ad reads. Yes, that's what we're at here, folks. I haven't gone court. I haven't gone that corporate. It was an optional thing, but, and, and I wasn't going to start. You know, I'm not, I'm gonna hold my principles and fight the man. I'm not that guy. But at the same time, I don't want to attach my name to anything goofy and that I think is stupid. But, I'll tell you guys, cause I went and checked this out myself. Um, this is a pretty cool little sponsorship deal here. If you guys, and I know a lot of, uh, on Twitter and stuff, I've seen, I see you guys out there talking about them. You guys are always talking about your damn jerseys. Not game worn jerseys, but, 
Like, oh, every time the new third jersey or the stadium jersey comes out or this guy got traded to the team, so oh, I got to, you know, you diehard Leaf guys and your flyer guys. Yes, Dan, I'm talking to you. I see you out there. And Paul with your Bruins and everyone else. Um, uh, I, You know, you always, you, every year you guys are like getting your jerseys and getting the names put on them and all that stuff. Well, I got a deal for you here. Coolhockey.com. They've been around since 1999, the number one source in jerseys. They're actually, guys, um, this isn't bullshit. I'm, I went to the site. I looked. I read up about them. They are sponsored by the NHLPA. They're endorsed by the NHLPA. So it's no no bullshit. You're not getting Chinese knockoffs. This is legit shit. When you when you order your jersey, they got all the different sizes. I believe they got fat guy sizes, too, because that's what I've checked into. Get this one. So I pick, I just randomly, I went, and, I went to the Calgary Flames. I picked the third alternate jersey, you know the old the old style, the old red and the flaming sea. It was looked pretty cool, and I and then for your for your name and number, if you want to put that on, you don't have to, but I chose to customize it. Uh, you know, did I put Tachuk on it or uh, you know Giordano? You know, no, you know who I put on mine. Damn right. Big Earn, I put McGratton on the back, number 16. And at checkout, if you, you have to, trust you have to, this is why I'm bringing it up, this is what gets us money here at the network, but and it says for your discount code, use the number, the, or I guess the letters, THPN, the Hockey Podcast Network, obviously, THPN, use that at, disc, at uh, checkout, 30% off. So I had that with hand-stitched lettering and numbers, free shipping, authentic jersey, fight strap and everything, 180 bucks Canadian, guys. That's pretty good damn, that's pretty damn good deal if you ask me, because I know I was in Jersey City in the mall a while back before the whole pandemic. It was right around Christmas. That's when I was there. And I was, and I was going through and I was looking for hats. I'm always looking for a damn hat. Two years I've been looking for a hat. Like I said, I'm a, I'm a straight brim and a, or no, I'm a curved brim in a straight brim world, it seems. So I'm really picky with my hats. I don't want the sideways uh, yellow Yankee hat with a sticker on it. Oh, God, run me over with a car. No, I want old school bend the brim. You know what I'm saying. But uh, anyway, that's neither here nor there. But they, right at the front, of course, they have all the jerseys, the authentic ones, and I'm looking. They got the straps and the, oh, yeah, of course, they got McDavid and, you know, whoever and Crosby and all that. $300 they wanted for these bloody jerseys. I, you got to have rocks in your head. You know, $300. Are you shitting me? But here we go, guys. I just went and I did it. I just checked it in myself. I typed in all the customization. THPN, the Hockey Podcast Network. You know, you don't have to type in the whole thing. But THPN, 30% off and free shipping. Like I said, I think it was $185.99. Boom, there you go. Don't say I never did anything for you. But I'm going to start pimping that. I, I hate being that guy, like, spamming you up with ads and stuff. But I thought that was a really good deal. And I know a lot of listeners, uh, you guys like your jerseys. But one thing I was, I, I kind of wish they had a little bigger vintage section. But I'm sure once the winter picks up, it'll start going. Actually, I was really eyeing up the old classic. Uh, well, what a real classic was the old purple and yellow LA Kings jerseys. But they were the black and silver ones. I'm kind of, ah, oh, 22 Baumgartner. That looked pretty sweet, actually. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. We'll see. But uh, but I, you know, you could talk. I could get talked into a to a big earn Flames jersey. I could, uh, you know, we'll see. 
But um, I thought that was a pretty good deal, all you know, all things considering. And like I said, free shipping too. And for my Canadian listeners, um, you know, it's they're they're out of Toronto, so you know, it um, you know, it's uh, it'll get to you quick. And uh, yeah, so I thought I'd throw that throw that out at you guys. And like I said, hand stitched. Like I said, this isn't some China, the the Chinese knockoff place. Believe me, I've seen a few jerseys. Those jerseys are pretty good too. Actually, a guy at work has like twenty of them. <laughs> football and all that. But here in the middle of the ad read, I'm talking with somebody else. I shouldn't be doing that. But it's not really an ad read, more of a suggestion. But like I said, if you use that promo code, it helps out the network. You know, I, I might even get a few bucks out of this this deal. So here I can bring you this outlaw mud show and get paid for it. How's that? You'd be helping old Darren here at the fourth line voice. I'd really appreciate it. But, um, no, and plus like I said, it's helping, the, helping you, the listeners out. And, uh, and like I said, I'm not going to attach my name to anything that was a shady ripoff or anything like that. So I went and investigated this shit myself, and there we go. So I th- I was uh, I wanted to bring that to you. My first, well, I don't know if I'd call that an ad read, more of an ad suggestion. I might I might be getting an internal memo after this one. After Isha hears this, I don't know. I might get a talking to. But the point was the information was the same, right? You got it. But uh, here, I'll shut up about my ads. But check out the other shows on the network. Terry Ryan, Brady Leibold. Of course, I guess all the NHL shows will be starting up here soon again. They've got every team represented here on the network. But, you know, i got to go outside the network. I told these guys when I signed up, I, I'm not going to forget about my boys. you got Alec over at the Five for Fighting podcast, William at the Biscuit, Get the Gate podcast, Slewfoot Hockey Show, and Obey the Puck Show. Check out all those people, as well as... Joe at Coliseum Chronicles, and Bobby Longgrass over at the Bucket po- Bucket Drop Podcast, who I'm actually going on his show tonight. We're going to record here in a couple hours. We're going to do, everyone likes the list. Remember I talked about the list, and uh, he got a hold of me, and he wants to do a top 10 LNAH fighters of all time. Tougher than you think, you guys. I sat down last night and was going, I racked my brain. It was tough. I had a whole list of guys. I said, you can make a top 50, I think. I even I even I even consulted Dean Mayrat on this, so I I was I was seeking uh, professional counsel here. Uh, you know, we really put a lot of thought into this. Geez, now that I think about it, that's a lo- that's a lot of thought for a friggin' mud show. You know, and it's not like the bar set real high. You had Alec on it last week. Like you talk about hard times, Jesus. You know, but uh, no, it was fun. It'll be fun. To- I always enjoy talking to Bobby. Oh, he tries to rush me out of there all the time, though. I said I'm just getting warmed up, and you're shutting it down. He's not, you know, he's not used to the uh, two, three-hour marathons that I put in on the podcast. Maybe that's a good thing too. Maybe he has the right idea. Yeah, maybe I, I, I know I get a little long-winded, but um, yeah, shut up, Darren. Let's get on with the show. Okay, I'll be quiet. And uh, but I wanted to share all that with you. Oh, and another thing, Fourth Line Voice on YouTube. Go check out my channel. I got over two thousand fight videos on there. They're all sorted. Type in any league you're looking for. Junior, Pro, you name it, it's on there. I just got a whole bunch of DVDs here in the last couple weeks. So I've been adding content. And, uh, hey, if you can subscribe to the channel and get the notifications, as soon as I add a new fight, ding, there you go. You won't miss a single punch. So go check that out. Again, helps me out right, right on all the platforms. Wherever you're listening to this show, could you rate and review it? It helps me out. Like I said, you guys, we're the, we're the mom and pop shops here. We're all fighting for airtime. We're the, we're the small fish in a big pond. I know everyone's got a hockey podcast these days. It's become cliche now. And I know we got Spit and Chiglets and John Scott's and 
31 Thoughts and blah, 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 blah. There's a million shows out there. And I, and I like those shows. Whatever, I dig them. I'm not knocking them. But there's also us little guys. So support the support the little guys. Shop local, as I always say. I know there's only so much time in the day, and I appreciate everybody that uh, takes the time to tune into my show. It's greatly appreciated. And uh, like I said, a lot of time and effort gets put into this. And, and it really does. I'm not just, you know, just jokes. It's... Uh, you know, a lot of effort does get put into these shows, and uh, we're doing our best. And like I said, we're all scrounging away. It's a it's a hobby, but uh, you know, um, it uh, you you like to be rewarded for your effort as well. And uh, and uh, my reward is to hear from you guys about what you think of the shows, and uh, and to see the, the the players who I've who I've interviewed get their names out there for a little while, and and for people to hear their stories. And, uh, so whenever I get feedback from you guys, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun to read and, and it's great to know that people are out there listening and, um, yeah, so, uh, let's keep it rolling, right? And, uh, all right, so I will shut up and I will talk to you guys on Wednesday. Should have a new player guest. I got, I hope I got a cat lined up on Sunday. Hopefully he shows up and we can, uh, I think it'll be a fun interview and, uh, but I'll be, I'll be talking to you guys again on Wednesday. But uh, in the meantime, here is Sunday's Vault episode. One of the one one bad dude, folks. I'm telling you, and I think you guys will really enjoy these stories. He was a great guest, and here we go. I'm I'm glad. I'm so glad to be putting this back up. Here is my talk with Dan Kopeck. All right, guys. Thanks. On the phone from uh, Weyburn, Saskatchewan, we got Dan Kopeck. Dan, how you doing tonight? Uh, very good. Nice day. Everything's good. Yeah, absolutely. No, I appreciate you. Uh, Taking the call, we've been uh, setting this up for a little while, and uh, I, w- I was hitting you up on Twitter there, the private messages, kind of asking a few questions. And uh, like I said, if the if the answers tonight are as uh, half as entertaining as the uh, what you typed to me, I think people are in for a for a treat here. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so like I, like I was telling you before, just before we got going here, we'll just kind of we'll just timeline your career, just kind of go down and uh, get your feelings on a. On, on the situation on that year by year and uh, we'll go from there so it, like we'll start off here like 1990-91 you know it's your first uh, your first training camp in Brandon um, you know it was kind of a tougher team you know didn't you guys didn't win a lot of games or anything but uh, the guys like Webster and uh, Puchniak and them did they have any influence on you how did the vets treat you you know that that was yeah it was it started out as a good year my first year we were actually one of the top 10 ranked at the top 10 in Canada in the in the junior rankings there they have uh, at Halloween eh? yeah uh but we had uh you know even before that when I'd come into Brandon I'd been with them since I was 15 eh going yeah I think I finally finished up on my sixth camp when I cracked Brandon in 1991 so there was guys there like Jeff Rogers Cam Brown Kevin Chevel Dayoff and yep. I mean, they were tough, tough guys. And when I was 15, they actually were, they treated me awesome as a young guy coming into camp. Cause back then, I mean, you had, I was 14 years old in main camp with some of these guys and these guys are absolute monsters to you. So, yep. yeah. And then, so I was kind of, you know, I knew that I knew a lot of those guys that coming through camp and we kind of all ended up in Brandon at the same time, 1991 and Odge and Chevy and all those guys, Brown had just left. And then guys like Webby and Bush were there. I mean, Glenn Webster was probably one of my better friends on the team, actually. You know, that's just those kind of guys that play that physical style. I mean, there's probably some guys in Brandon I could care less if I ever seen them again. But a guy like Glenn Webster, I actually ran into him back at school years later. And, I mean, it's like, you know, it's like he never left. And 
you know, I have a ton of respect for Webb. He was an awesome guy. And you know what? He was, I don't know if he went on to play much pro or hockey after that. I don't know if he did, but I know he was one of the toughest guys that went was in the Western hockey. That's for sure. Yeah. I, I think he, um, I, I want to say he, uh, did he go back to, uh, I think he went back to Alberta. Yeah, he just played in the Western League, and then he went to Alberta because I believe he played with him and Kent Staniforth, I think, were on the same team in Alberta. Is that right? Yeah, Imagine. I ran into him at Nate. Nate, he was going to school there, and uh, we ran into each other in the hallway. But, yeah, I spent a lot of time with him. That guy did not lose a lot of fights, I'll tell you that. The only fight I remember him losing was to Dan Cordick. Yeah, well, and there, <laughs> no shame in losing to Dan Cordick. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah, so it was... Uh, yeah, I think. But, but uh, uh, yeah, 90-91 was you know started out as a good year. We were right at the top of the league, and then we lost a guy by the name of Kevin Schmaltz at Halloween. I think it was Halloween night. We beat Spokane Chiefs in Spokane. Came back, we were number one team in the league. And the next night, uh, next game, we played at home, and we lost Kevin Schmaltz with a broken femur. And I think we were actually ten and ten and three or something at that point of the year. And from Halloween night on, we won nine games after that. So, uh, yeah, it was pretty tough year. By the time the trade deadline came around, I think Push was traded. Push Nyaka traded to Leftbridge, and Kid was traded to Spokane. And, yeah, and I, you know, I look back at it now, and, I mean, it was, I was in, I hit Brandon at pretty much a rebuilding time. And yep. every team, junior, Western League team goes through that, where you go through those cycles. And I'll tell you what, I learned there was a lot of losing because the next year was even worse. And uh, but I mean, I think over time it made me a, a better player because I sure don't like losing and still don't like losing today. So, well, yeah, it was uh, like so. As a rookie, you're playing away from home, and uh, you know, and with I mean, you know, the Brandon Wheat Kings. I mean, there isn't a team in Canada that spends more time in the bus than Brandon. I mean. Uh, how how was that just for an adjustment for you? Did you did you have a tough time with it, or were you sort of ready to roll? Or no, you know what? I think it's it was a tough time back then. I mean, I mean, I got left in the NW parking lot. My parents dropped me off at NW parking lot after the inter squad game, and because you know they said you're staying here to you're here now, and uh, you're going to this school tomorrow morning. And my parents had to get back to Weyburn, and your billets will pick you up here in half an hour. So. Yeah, it's a, it's an adjustment. Back then, it was. I think. I think today, it's probably a little more. Kids are probably a little more coddled, and you know, <laughs> back then. And I lived with a guy, Brian Purdy, for the first couple of weeks in his billets, and I got pushed into my own place. And uh, I, I would admit, I think that first year was probably. I mean, it was. I enjoyed it. I liked playing junior. I liked playing for Brad and. You know, but uh, it, it, the first year was rough. I mean, especially when you're not winning and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah. you know, but yeah, it's it's an adjustment, no doubt about it. Well, yeah. So it uh, well, like early on in that season, I mean, you fought a veteran head there. Speaking of Dan Cordick, you fought him, who would go on to play in the NHL and everything. Of course, um, how'd that fight go? Do you remember it? Oh, I mean, I'm 17. I think Cordick is probably 20. At the time, I mean, you know, you're you're just showing up. I mean, if yep, you, yep. you're probably getting that. You know, you're gonna get your head, you know, beat in. I mean, you you go through the league back then. I mean, another guy fought, and I mean, I fought. I think it was a TSN game actually, and I fought Joey Middlestad, and I mean, 
you, you learned real quick, you better drop your gloves fast because, I mean, he welded my eyes shut. I mean, it was, I think he crashed, punched my visor right off my head, like, or my helmet. So, I mean, every night in that league at that time, <laughs> if you wanted to mess around, I mean, Medicine Hat had five guys that were, you yep. know, they could go with anybody. I mean, you know, Toporowski was in Spokane. He was just a 18 or 19 year old at that time. I mean, you go to PA, there's Dave Nielsen and it, it, it never ended. Right. So, yep. uh, you know, when you're 17 years old in that league in that time, I don't know how many fights I had that year, maybe nine or 10 fights, but I mean, it makes you think real fast if I want to stay here or not, because, you know, you're not going to win many. And the only way you get better at fighting, and I tell guys when I was playing, is the only way you get better at it is by fighting. So, and you can't pick your spots. Yeah, you actually had six fights that year. You fought Ruff, Cordick, Middlestad, Shane Peacock, and Peter Cox. Yeah, and then uh, I think Lorne Taze was another one on there too. He was another guy back, you know, in Medicine Hat. I mean, yep. You know, we didn't have one. By the like I said, when Brandon, by the time it came around, you know, to December, January, you know, there wasn't much left other than me and, you know, guys like Glenn Webster because I think Push was traded to, to Lethbridge. And we didn't have a lot of fighters left. So, you know, either you, you just did the best you could, you know. But uh, I think the second year, I'm not sure what it was the next year, but it was, you know, I had a few more that year. You did. For me, guys, uh, you know, going back to junior, some guys come into junior and they're, they want to do it right off the bat. For me, I kind of grew into it, you know. When you start to do well at it, you get more confident at it. So, I mean, if you go, I mean, I always got razzed about that when I played pro because guys would look back at my junior numbers and then all of a sudden see me in fourth year, fifth year pro and say, what the hell happened to you, man? Like, <laughs> so. Yeah. That's oh, a confidence thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, well, it's almost like you're looking at my questions here. My next one, well, yeah, it was the uh, the nationally televised uh, TSN game, which you know back then, I mean, kids listening nowadays have no under no clue because you know everything's on the internet and you can see every game on any league anytime you want. But back then, I mean, that was kind of a big deal to be on national television. Um, did you guys? Was that something you guys got up for? And, uh, like, did the boys kind of plan, like, oh, it's national television, I'm getting into one tonight, or is it just kind of just another game? No, I think – well, I I had heard a story that that game got booked at the beginning, obviously at the beginning of the season when we were at a high – like, because it was only CHL Sunday night is what they called it, eh? Yep. And I, mean, I, I think they booked that game early in the year because we were a high-ranked team, eh? So, and then by the time the game came around, we were out of the playoff, you know, basically eliminated from the playoffs a month or two months before the game, eh? And I remember a story that uh, Paul Romanuk was the TSN guy at that time. I forget who else was with him on the game, with the game, but I remember him sitting in, he, I guess he was sitting in a bar or something the night before the game's making a bunch of comments to people that this game shouldn't even be happening and all that because I think we are playing Camus Blazers, eh? Yep. And uh, he was uh, making fun of Brandon or whatever and how bad they were and this game shouldn't be happening but I think we came out we beat them that night too so (laughs) we we won that game so it was kind of a nice thing for the you know with the year we were having that we were able to win that one yes you did you won 5-3 that's a very good memory yeah 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 because that was yeah you fought Middlestead yeah um yeah I said I said I was gonna get in a fight that night I have to admit it I wasn't Oh, I'm going to be on TV. I said, you know, I'm going to, I don't care who it was, but probably 
you know, I probably could have picked someone else, but I said, well, if I'm going to fight somebody, I'm going to fight the top one of the toughest guys in the league. So I was going to say, I don't think you had to ask Joey twice, I don't think. I'm sure he was up for it. <laughs> oh, no. no. Yeah, so like we were saying, you're, yeah, just that league is just, I mean, just overrun with toughness. And it's a real shame, you know, being the kind of the fight video nerd that I am. There just isn't a lot of footage back then because I was going through my old stuff and there – I, I I have literally zero Dan Kopeck fights on tape. I wish I had. I wish I had some. I'd put them up here. But uh, so that's kind of why I'm asking you. It's like uh, like how do the how do different fights go? Because like I said, there there's just no footage out there of it um, of any of them. Yeah, I think one. I, I mean, when I I remember Ralph, I fought Jason Ralph the very first game I played in the Western Hockey League. I mean, I never yep. got to dress for the first five games of the season because I was a sixth, seventh D-man. And we lost the guy for a while. And I think we played Lethbridge at home. I, I was right off the bat. I fought him, and uh, you know, I think in that at that time, I mean, I'm honest about it. I mean, if you lost a fight back then, I beat. I mean, I, I I believe I did pretty well with Ralph. I mean, but if you lost a fight back then, I mean, it, it made you gun shy. There's no doubt about it. It wasn't something that, especially being younger and knowing the guys in the league. I mean, you definitely didn't come running off the bus saying, "I can't wait to go into." to uh, Spokane and go fight, uh, you know, Topper, Kerry Topper, Elchie and, you know, and uh, Frank Evans and whoever else they had. Like, I mean, you were, you'd have to have a screw loose in your head, right? Yeah. Now, well, so, there you go. With my question, speaking of uh, Toporowski, I mean, of course, the the name is legendary around the old WHL circles at the time, and and like I said, we had all heard, you know, the 500 penalty minutes and everything else. What what are your feelings on Kerry? Was he? Uh, like what, what? Like what did the other boys think? Like you're rolling into Spokane, or they're coming to Brandon? Was there obviously guys were talking about him? Was he? Uh, what was the? What was the myth of Kerry Toporowski? Like uh, what was that like? He, well, you know, and he played like if you he was there. It was I honestly I think people paid half the people that came to watch Spokane. She's played probably half the crowd was there to watch Toporowski, right? Oh, yeah. I mean. You if you went through the box score every night and looked at the newspaper, Toporowski had three fights pretty much every single night. Like it didn't matter who it was. He'd go to Medicine Hat and fight Prasovsky, Kordic and, and Clayton Norris. It like, you know it it was insane, you know. And I mean he came when you got to Spokane, I think the first game we played was in Spokane. We played them. I mean, as a seventeen year old or a sixteen year old kid coming in, you see this guy's got four hundred minutes of January. Like, <laughs> you mean you know, you, you got to be, if you weren't pissing yourself a little bit, there was something wrong with you, you know. I mean, he loved it, eh? Well, what what was it like being on the ice with him? Like, was he, like, was he a vocal guy or just, uh, was he really dirty? You know, like, he, what's he the... He was really quiet, eh? Like, yep. real quiet. Because I played in Spoke after, eh, my yep. last year junior. And, I mean, he was, he, he was probably one of the, if you came off the ice, actually, because I played with a, my, actually, the goalie that was with us the second year's name was Sean Dietrich. And he played for Spoke the year before, and he said the guy he couldn't get two words of him off, out of him off the ice. That's that's how he was. How he was like just super quiet, nicest guy you'll ever meet. Like, and put him on the ice. I mean, and he had Maxwell coaching. Yep. And he the guy was completely out of his mind. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's unreal. It's hard to it's hard to explain. You know. Yeah. Like, that's. It's something to see, that's for sure. Yeah, and like and that yeah. and like like I was saying before, when there's not a lot of there's a little bit of footage of him out there, but 
you know, like I said, that, uh, like we had all heard the stories and like you said, same as you, I mean, you know, as fan, we're reading the box score and it's like, who the fuck is this guy? You know? And I mean, and I mean, you heard the name and the, but when they're out in Spokane, of course, you know, being in Saskatchewan, I mean, you never see him. Right. So it was just like, uh, yeah. you know, outside of a few videos and just from talking to people. Yeah. You kind of get the, you, you sort of get a sense of what he's like, but, uh, like I said, it's I think bad. Webster beat him. Webster beat him in Brandon, I believe that when we keep, we came back to Brandon. And I mean, you think most guys that they get beat, probably your little gun shy coming back out. I mean, he's the type of guy that if you beat him, he was coming back to fight you two more times, right? Yep. You know, like that's, you know, there ain't there isn't many guys like that. I mean, I mean, I think San Jose drafted him. Yep. Yeah, I think I think it was San Jose drafted them. I mean, they're drafting. You know what you're getting, right? It's kind of like Gates, you know. Yep. Oh no, yeah, so. exactly. Um, yeah. Well, uh, so well, that kind of uh, yeah, it was just kind of you know wrap up your first year there, and then so for your second year, ninety one, ninety two, it was uh, like you said, second season. You get a little more comfortable. Was it a conscious decision? to take more of like kind of an enforcer role right from the start or was it something like did the team kind of talk to, talk to you and kind of, I don't want to say push you into it, but was it sort of suggested to you or uh, do you just kind of do it on your own? No, that second year, I think I only, I think I only finished one exhibition game because I mean, I was kicked out of every one of them. No, I, I made it. No one ever, no one in Brandon told, told me to do it. I mean, I mean, McCrimmon had a pretty hard, talk with me actually the year before he was Kelly was coaching then and he basically said if you want to stay in this league and you want and you're six foot three or six foot four 210 pounds I mean you're gonna have to do this like are you you know I mean I'm not skating up and down the ice putting up 40 points from the back end so you know at that that was the time where you started to sink in and then I came in the second year I was probably a little I mean I was probably 15 pounds heavier not I mean I fought a lot right off the get-go but then as the season wore on, again, we're, you know, you're losing and, you know, it's just, you're trying to get, you get some fights in. I don't know what I had that year, maybe 11, 12, 13 fights. I mean, as an 18 year old, you know, I, I mean, ideally I probably should have fought 25 times that year, you know, looking back on it. But yeah, it was something I tried to do more of. I mean, it was I mean, probably 50, 50 success. <laughs> yeah. You had 14 fights that year, actually. Um, yeah, but yeah. I was just looking here. Yeah, so like yeah, January seventeenth, you fought. Uh, you were in Lethbridge. You had two fights, uh, uh, Jason Whitmer and then Slade Stevenson. And then your next fight isn't until March sixth against Shane Knighty. Now, so all basically half of January and all of February, like were you just kind of fed up and just didn't want to do it, or were you injured, or just kind of like ah fuck it? <laughs> well, I, I think it's just kind of. You know, I think when you're losing all the time like that, you yep. know, some guys come in and might want to do it more. I mean, it's, it's probably more of a mental thing when you're, you know, you're down 6-1 or 6-2. Like, you know, how much of this am I going to keep doing? I mean, you, you kind of took them as they come, yep. you know, but when you, your team's becoming pretty much a runway and no one's, you know, you know, it, it wasn't it wasn't fun. I mean, I no. have to admit it. it, it it's it's it sours you know, on your you know when you win eleven games in junior you know in the dub I mean out of seventy two that's you know that's a lot of losing so I was just kind of I think guys are coming and going and moving different guys are traded out and it was just you know it was it was actually just chaos honestly yeah 
Yeah, so, you know, if you had the fight, you know, you know what, actually, I'm trying to think back then. I did lose some time with an ankle injury. I was out for about four weeks, so that was probably about that time. Yeah, I was going to say, because you only played 48 games that year. Yeah, I, I missed about probably 14 games with a bat, with a, my ankle pretty much popped out or whatever, eh? So I just couldn't remember what year that was, but I did. Yeah, I did miss some time. pretty. So that would explain a little bit of the gap there. Hey, I was just, uh, well, I'll just back up. Um, do you by chance, do you play against, just an off-random question, did you play against Mel Engelstad in Saskatoon in a preseason? Do you remember that at all? Do you know Mel? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know, him, but I did. He was playing in a game. Yeah, he played us. Oh, I want to say that game would have been in Foxhorn, Manitoba. Okay. Because we always played. We always played the Blades preseason in Foxhorn, eh? Okay. Because that's uh, the, the Derek Tibbetts played for the Saskatoon Blades and Mark Watton. Yep. So, so they would hold that game in. Uh, in Fox Warren, yeah, in Fox Warren, because I, I remember I fought Steve Tillman's there, and I think somebody fought Mel Engelstad, but I don't know. I'm not sure where Mel had come from then. I thought maybe he might have come out of Manitoba Junior and was playing with the Blades in the preseason, but he didn't stick with the Blades that year, I think. No, he went. He played in Dauphin, I think, and then uh, went and turned pro. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, cause I know Mel. I was just, I see him and it's just like, I've never had a chance to ask him. And it was, and there was always kind of rumors like, did he play in Saskatoon or didn't he? Or, and like when it's a preseason, it's always sort of just tough to kind of get information. So I just wanted to know if he did. But, yeah, there you go. Confirmed. He did. I think, I think he fought a guy. I think he fought Chris Constant, actually, if I remember right. That's what it says he did. You have very good memory. Yeah, it does say he fought Chris yeah. Constant. There you go. Okay. Well, and speaking of Saskatoon heavyweights, um, you actually fought Mark Rader twice that year. How did the, how did those go? And how was uh, how was it fighting Big Mark? Well, I wouldn't want. I don't want to. You know, I'm I'm pretty proud of the fact. I think I beat him the first fight in Saskatoon. So well, there you go. You know, we squared off in Saskatoon. Yeah, I mean, it was. Yeah, I had a good. We had a good fight. So I, I would. I you know, I'm I'm trying to remember the second fight, but I can't. Remember, I think it was it twice we fought. Once you fought him in the pre, you fought him in the preseason in Brandon, and then you fought him. Oh right, yeah, in in September, and then you fought him in Saskatoon in October. I I can't remember the fight too well in Brandon, but I remember the fight pretty good in uh, Saskatoon. That was squared off right off the draw. So yeah, I I think there was a pretty good fight. He's a tough guy, man. He put up a lot of them. Yeah, well, so. Yeah, you, I, I don't think we missed too many games back then because it was just so, I mean, you miss a game, you'd miss, like, that was the thing, you'd go back then, and I mean, it was it was great, it was, you know, 6-5, and you'd get three or four fights, maybe a liney, and it was just like, you know, watching the dub back then was awesome, you know, back in the 90s, so I can guarantee I was at that game, I mean, obviously I don't remember, but I'm pretty, uh, you know, we went to pretty well all of them, so I'm pretty sure I, uh, I saw that fight, and like I said, it's uh Wish I had the damn video of it, but oh well. Um, yeah. Well, so in your first year, like we said, we were talking about uh, Topper and kind of his rep and stuff. Another guy that really started kind of getting that momentum, kind of the reputation is, you know, the league heavyweight or you know one of the top guys is Brant Myers. Uh, I don't, I don't think you ever fought Brant, but uh, what, what are your feelings on him? And and is that sort of the he case? Was kind of, uh, well, you know, he wasn't. 
he was he had he put up a lot of I think he had I don't I'm not sure what he had for fights or penalty minutes that year. I think he had quite a bit. But he honestly wasn't a guy that you would you know, with the amount of fights and or whatever he had, I'm not sure, penalty minutes that you would actually really, you know, kinda of notice around. Yeah. He was pretty like fairly quiet or low key guy. I think he just kinda of, you know, he didn't back down for nobody. I'm not so sure how much he went around looking for it, but he just seemed to kind of find it. And uh, I think he was like a lot of us back then. He he won some, lost some type of guy, you know. But just, yep. you know, the only way he got better at it was by doing it. So you know, and he was kind of an unknown. No one, you know, I didn't. You know, you didn't. He wasn't kind of like the Toporowski where you kind of hear the stories about him or whatever. But he did have a lot of fights, and I mean. I'm trying to remember. I know he's left-handed. I know all that yep. kind of stuff. But I can't, I'm trying to remember if he actually went with anybody on our team because he was kind of, you know, is this the guy you're talking about that's got all this? Oh, that, that's him or whatever. Eh? So, but uh, no, not a big big guy, you know, like, but not uh, kind of tall, lanky guy, you know, not a, not, not like Toporowski. Toporowski was kind of a, you know, looked like a man, you know, at that time. So, actually, but, uh, well, yeah, he, he yeah, Myers had 35 fights that year and it, from Lethbridge. And I'm looking, yeah, he fought uh, Jubinville and Sandwith. Fought Jubinville twice and Sandwith for Brent, with you guys. Yeah, you know, he, like, yeah, he'd have the fights, but he was never a guy where he, he was, you know, chasing guys around the ice. Yeah, or, yeah. You know, you wanted to get the guy or whatever. He was just kind of did his job quietly or whatever. Eh? That's that's what I remember about him, eh? Yep. So, and he's left-handed, and I mean, he did, like I said, I think he did, you know, like I said, he was probably, if you ask, we were talking to him, he'd, he'd win some, lose some, you know, but he always showed up every night, you know. Yeah. Well, and then there was, uh, I remember the big deal, uh, of course, with the T- again, going back to the TSN game, and I remember reading just in Saskatchewan, they made a big deal, Regina bringing in Crespang. Do you remember the hype about Mike Crespang coming in? Yeah, we, we I remember him. Yeah, with the Pats, but yep. honestly, I can say I think I was probably still in Brandon at that time. I can't remember. Yeah, you were. Yeah, nobody really, nobody really was too worked up about him coming into Regina, right? Yeah, it was a lot of it was just a lot of talk and a lot of hype or whatever. I mean, I don't know if he fought against us. Honestly, I can't remember if he fought anybody. But I mean, I know there was a bunch of hype when they were playing Saskatoon Blades. I think they were. Hyping up him fighting with Tremblay or yeah, well, or cause it was you know? Tremblay because Tremblay had kind of slapped Regina around the game before, so they made the big deal out and they went and picked this supposed crazy dude up from Junior A in Ontario, and Cresping showed up, and there was a big thing at the Star Phoenix, like they're building up the him and the Tremblay, the big battle. But um, yeah, I actually fought twice against you guys. Uh, you fought Puchnik and uh, uh, Sandwith, actually. Did it? Yeah. 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 No, I don't know if he put the fear of God in anybody. That's no. For sure. no. I just think he was kind of, a, you know, there. I think probably more overwhelm was overwhelming for him too, right? So I did. I do remember them playing Saskatoon on the, and uh, he had to fight against Trombley or whatever. And I know on TSN they were t- talking about this was going to happen or whatever. And I don't know if it was much of a fight at all because I think Gordon Miller was the one doing the play-by-play. And he, I think he was kind of saying it was much ado about nothing. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny because it was. Yeah, that was the big hype. We were at the game. Of course, we were recording it at home, and it actually was Bob McKenzie that was doing the game. And Crespang okay. and Trombley squared off for like thirty seconds, and then they grabbed each other and fell down. 
And then Bob yeah. McKenzie goes, talk about your lunch pail letdowns. That, I could never, I'll never forget him saying that. Yeah. 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 I remember that too. Yeah. Yeah. But, the, oh, we were, and of course we were there, right? And it was like, and like I said, we used to go to all the Blades games back then. And like, Trombley was a bad motherfucker. Like he, like we watched a lot of his fights and like, he didn't lose too many. So it was like, this was kind of the big showdown with him and, uh, you know, they built it up as that with him and Crest Bang, and then it was just like, ugh. It's like the air just yeah. left the, the building. But, uh, yeah, I'm just going to throw some names at you some, from some tough guys, and it'll just kind of get your feelings. Well, I, I've talked to him quite a bit here, and uh, Kent Staniforth out in Moose Jaw. You know, he was, there's, he's another guy, you know, he, I don't know. If, he just showed up every day. Like, he, you know, he came in. You know, he knew what his job was, and that's probably the best way to explain it. He he was there, and I think that, you know, they had him there for one reason. And, I mean, looking back now, because I'm 45 and I did way more of it once I hit pro, I mean, I don't know if this was always – it's not always what you wanted to do. It's just what you had to do. Yep. And, I mean, he he showed up every night. I mean, I, he had a lot of fights. I mean, yeah. he, he, you know, he was, a, he was just an honest, tough guy, right? He, you know, didn't back down and – you know, it didn't matter if it was Sunday night in Prince Albert, he was going to fight too. So I have a lot of respect for guys like that. Yeah, no, I was, uh, I've talked to Kent here on Twitter. That's, and that's been the great thing about Twitter is just getting, well, I'll talk to you and, and him and, you know, Brendan Walsh there. We'll get into Walsh here shortly. And, uh, and just guys like that. And it was, uh, you know, when I was going through Lloyd there and I had a, I ran in, I stopped by his uh, business there and, uh, and bullshitted with him for a while. And Kent, I know you're listening. You got to come on the show, get some stories out of him. But um, <laughs> moving on, well, he was saying how him and Webster, that's how I knew about him and Webster playing together in the Alberta League. And I think, between, imagine that defensive pairing. I think between the two of them, I think they had about 800 minutes and penalties. I guarantee probably scared yeah. the shit out of everybody in that league, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another guy in, uh, in Lethbridge, actually fought him, was uh, Slade Stevenson. Yeah, I think he was a fairly a little bit. He might even be a year younger than me. I'm not too sure, but I mean, he's. I remember what I remember of him. I mean, another guy that just came in. I don't think he, he didn't back down from no one. I mean, he kind of just showed up, and all of a sudden, that was that was the thing about the Western Hockey League then. I mean, you could have a 17 year old show up, and all of a sudden he's going to prove himself, and yep. you know they go out and fight everybody. I can't remember how the fight went or whatever, but I mean, they just. Yeah, every night there was somebody, you know, and it didn't matter if it was, it was always a new guy coming up that was looking yep. to, you know, and when you, especially when you had tough guys in front of you on the team, you know, it wasn't hard for guys like that to get motivated or find, you know, want to do that type of stuff. So, yep. you know, that's kind of how I kind of, you know, like I said, I kind of lean back to the Odgers and the Browns and stuff like that. You know, I, I wish I would have got a chance to play a year with those guys because, I mean, I think fighting, having a guys like that in front of you, you know, makes you almost, you know, two feet taller and, you know, gives yeah. you a little more confidence going in. But when you're kind of on your own or you got, you know, got a guy like Webby with you, I mean, it was, we, we weren't overly tough, right? So kind of, yeah, you know, imagine... either you're, you're, you, either you like it or you're going to learn to not like it. And I really learned to like it as I got older and older, so... I was gonna say, there's probably nothing better feeling. You get off that bus and go to the opposition rink, and and you know you got the boys coming with you. I mean, that's got to be quite the feeling when you're when your team's loaded with toughness. 
Yeah, well, look at the teams. Like, I mean, you look at the Hat or you look at Kamloops. I mean, those guys, they had, you know, the teams that had the toughness, they won. I yep. mean, it was, that was no, it's just the way it was. Swift Current Broncos were probably maybe a little bit of the difference at that time. I mean, they didn't have quite as much toughness, but they had a whack of skill, but they still showed up. Like, I mean, you had, um, I can't remember who was there. I know McFarland was there a year before I got there, but, you know, it was just kind of a, but they were so talented that, you know, but I mean, going to Medicine Hat or Prince Albert on a Sunday night at six o'clock on your third game in three nights. I mean, she's awfully tough to win. We got those guys there. Yep. Yep. Well, and then, uh, well, and then speaking of blades, like I said, I got to watch him a lot and he's, he's a little, I could imagine play, watching him as a fan. He was, I could imagine what he was like playing against. It was Yakimission, Sean Yakimission. Oh yeah. Yeah. He, I remember him. Yeah. It was, he, he was what well, he wasn't the biggest, very very big guy, but I'll tell nope. you, we, I mean, he was kind of a kind of a hatchet man. Do you know back what's a we called him back in the day? Like they yep. used, used the stick, mouth was going all the time. You know, didn't back down from nobody. They begged you to punch him in the head, type of thing. And yeah, I mean, and there was a lot of guys like him back then too. You know, I ran across a lot of guys like him in pro too. So yeah. Yeah, it was just one of those things. I mean, every year the guy put up, like, he played four years the Blades and put up 20 fights every year and 200 minutes. But, yeah, he's, you know, 53 points one year, 42 the next. I mean, but yeah, I remember just watching him, and it was just like you could just tell he was sort of like kind of had that Sean Avery vibe, like, oh, you'd know playing against this guy, you'd want to just kill him. Well, he, he reminds me of a guy that I played with is Corey Dawes, though. Eh? That's, yeah, That's yeah. That's how he was, right? He was agitating. He wasn't the biggest guy in the world, but, I mean, he'd show up and fight, too. It wasn't like he was going to run around and let everybody fight his battles for him. Eh? No, no, no. Back then, I mean, you know, if you were going to do that stuff, you had to, uh, it's not like today, right, when you don't have to pay the piper. I mean, back then, if you were going to act up at some point, you were going to get held accountable for it. Yeah, and there was no shortage of guys in the, you know, if you whatever you want to call middleweight class or whatever, too, because, you know, that there was always somebody real in the fight. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, and here's another name. I mean, this guy was, uh, you know, he was around, did it for, you know, in the in, my, in the minors as well, was uh, Jezolowski, Dave Jezolowski. Yeah, we actually played together in Spoke, I think, is where I ran into him. Yeah, he was another, like, he's like that Stevenson type of guy, right? You know, the Lauren Tays type of guy. They, they'd fight. You know, they put up 250 minutes in penalties just because, you know what, you know, I'm here and I'm in the Western Hockey League. And I think, you know, they probably looked up to guys. I think Jezielowski started the boost job, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, he did. I mean, you got guys like Bob Lokes and stuff playing there. Like, you know, like it's not hard to get into it <laughs> if you want to do it. So, yep. Yeah. Well, then just kind of going on. Well, here's another guy I talked to, talked to a bit on, uh, on uh, on Twitter here is uh, Frank Kovacs out in Regina. Okay, yeah, yeah, I remember him too. He, uh, yeah, well, he, yeah, he was there when like Sillinger and Heward and all those guys we were all together. I think when they came up and played in Regina. But yeah, he he's a pretty good player, Frank too, eh? So yeah, fifty goal scorer. Yeah, yeah, been, but pretty built too. Like he was pretty solid back then. You know, as a seventeen-year-old, you'd think you're playing against a, you know, twenty-year-old or twenty-one-year-old guy, right? Yep. That's one thing too. I noticed probably a big difference from today compared, you know, back then compared to today. Is I mean, the guys just seemed 
bigger like <laughs> yeah they didn't have to wear a lot of equipment and they still look like they were 215 pounds you know i don't i don't really see that as much today <laughs> no it was funny i was saying that the other day i'm like you watch kind of that the entry draft back in the day it looks like you know these they were the they could be the fathers of the guys getting drafted now it's you know it just yeah i don't know what it is it just looks like uh yeah just guys just looked older for some reason back then just more I don't know why it well, just seems that way. Yeah. Well, if you look, I mean, look go to the hat. I mean, those guys were still probably to me one of the biggest, toughest junior teams that I've. I don't know at that time. I mean, I don't know if there was anybody teams tougher. I know Portland had a few guys, but I mean, when you got Prasovsky and uh, Kordic and Norris and uh, Jeff Knight and uh, you know who else? I think Murray Duvall might have been there. Like it was endless man what they had i mean you, what are you gonna do mccabe was a tough guy and he was only 16 years old you know like yeah i think prasovsky had full handlebars uh you know playing in the western hockey league and i mean an example of how hard it was of that year in brown and we have a swede playing with us to just come over from sweden and barely speaks english and he's lined up on the face-off uh against prasovsky like <laughs> I remember. I think it was Webster said to him, "Did you lose your bowels when you were lined up against him on there?" And the and the Swede was just like, Oof, "I've never seen anything like that before." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Exactly. Like Prasovsky. Yeah. You know, he wasn't getting ID'd by a beer. That's for sure. Yeah, I think Murray Garbett was there. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, it's just uh, yeah. No, I know. Just stack team, but. Uh, well, here's another name for you. I threw it at Mazer. I'll throw it at you. Uh, Jason Renard. Rennie? Oh, <laughs> I know Rennie well. Just mm-hmm. saw Rennie a couple years ago, actually. Yeah, you at that time, Rennie? Rennie was just, nobody knew what to make of him, eh? Like, he started in PA. Yep. I mean, I just remember coming in the room one night after warm-up, and they are talking about this guy. They got this Renard or whatever in PA, eh? So every time we come in the dressing room, McCrimmon would have all the lineup written on a whiteboard, sitting on an easel at that time in the dressing room. So he'd write, you know, you got to watch out for Jeff Nelson, or you got to watch out for Hextall or Renier. You know, PA had all the pretty good team, eh? Yep. And then he'd have go down the board, and he'd have Renard on there, and all he puts was puts in brackets tough cement head, eh? <laughs> Just like. <laughs> I mean, he was talking to himself on the ice and dancing. I'm like, this guy's out of his mind, eh? Yep. But honestly, I got I fought Renard in Spoke one time. Uh, he was playing for Tri Cities, and I got him good on the first punch. I remember because I got a picture of it down in my on one of my walls. Me and him squared off in Spokane, and I hit him so hard. And I mean we went out or whatever and he got suspended i remember for trying to ram my head in the ice too eh, when we went down on the ice and uh they suspended us for because it was a line brawl so the next time we went to tri cities we were suspended and i seen him in the hallway and his eye was so close shot from the first punch that i hit him with eh? so anyway that we didn't play against each other again i don't think and then fast forward to quebec this is kind of tied in or whatever. I'm in playing for Laval. Well, they're like, well, we're getting Renard or whatever. Right? So I, that was, I was 19 years old. Now I'm, you know, I can't remember what I would have been 30 years old in Quebec or 29 years old. 
and Rennie comes in the room or whatever, and they're like, oh, we got Renard, we got Renard or whatever. This is after we'd all played pro or whatever like that. He comes in the room. We never crossed paths again till that day. So I'm like, you know, hey, he comes up. Hey, how's it going, man, or whatever. And I'm like, he's like, yeah, you're, you're Dan or Kopech. I'm like, yeah, yeah. He's like, I think we fought each other before. I said, yeah. I said, I said, remember when you tried to round my head in the ice in Spokane or whatever? He's like, you're not still mad about that, are you? I said, I'll let it slide this time or whatever, right? But <laughs> it was, you know, awesome guy. Just got to know him, played together the whole year. I mean, you, you'll you'll get into Quebec stuff, but I mean, yep. you asked Rennie. Rennie was, Rennie was probably more of a middleweight in Quebec, man, because, but... Yeah, that was just a different league. Made you put you a little, made you a little bit different. So, but yeah, <laughs> good guy, tough guy, man. You know, crazy more than anything. You know, like you just didn't know what he was going to do. Yeah, that was sort of the answer Razor gave too. Yeah. Well, here's another guy who went on to play the Byers. He put up a ton of penalty minutes too. Was uh, John Baduke? Yeah, Baduke. Yeah, I played against. Well, you probably you, you did you hear like when he was in Portland, man? Like he was like. That's, they retired his number, I think. I can't. Syracuse retired his number. I'm not sure if Portland did, but I mean, like they used to wear their shirts, right? You know, they used to say Baduke to the bone and all that out there. <laughs> yeah, if you guys knew that. Yeah, like it was. Yeah, he was kind of a legend out there. Right? He yep. was more crazy too, right? You know, I played against him in the coast, or whatever. And I think we tried to get into it. I tried to get him to fight one night, but I mean, I think he was playing for Miami, and uh, but. Yeah, he was a little different. I mean, he was a tough guy, but I don't know if he, you know, let's put it. I mean, I'm not disrespect or whatever, but I mean, down in the coast at that time, I don't think anybody was really too, you know, he put up good numbers in the American League. He'd show up and fight everybody. But I mean, in the East Coast Hockey League, and you can say that about anybody, I don't think anybody's shaking in their boots, you know. Yep. Well, so that's, uh, we'll kind of wrap that up. But then, uh, so then, uh, the following year, 92, 93, you know, you're back at Brandon to start the year. You kind of put up some points real quick, you know, three points and three fights and seven games. And, uh, you know, it looked like Brandon had kind of turned things around and they're kind of at the top of the division and they trade you to Spokane. Was that, uh, kind of yeah, tough to move on once, you know, you can kind of see Brandon putting it together or were you happy to leave? No, I was happy to go. That was kind of a mutual decision. I had to ask them that I wanted out. Like, I mean, they were going, I mean, that's here they brought in, you know, like Marty Murray and those guys come in that year. And they were going, you know, they had a bunch of young guys coming in. You know, I could kind of see the direction that it was going. And I wasn't, I wasn't having fun. I mean, the two years previous, they I mean, they wore on me a lot. And I mean, I was at a point in my, you know, in hockey is like, if this is what it's going to be like, you know, you know, I'm I'm tired of it or whatever. Yep. But I asked out, so they traded me to Spoke or whatever. And I mean, I went to Spokane, and it was 35 or whatever games or whatever 30. I don't remember what it was. It was just, I think by the time I got to Spokane, I was wearing out. I had enough. You know, I didn't mind it in Spokane, but you know, I was probably at that time I was contemplating whether I wanted to keep playing or not. So yeah. that's. That's kind of where it went there. I had a few fights out there, too. Fought, you know, Renard and remember who else was out there. But, you know, you're getting a, you're getting a sour you're getting a sour taste in your mouth in junior hockey. I think it was just starting to – I think if we would have won a lot more, and you know, it would have been more positive. You, but it is what it is. Well, well speaking of uh, Spokane, uh, yeah, Brian Maxwell was the coach out there. What was uh, Maxwell like? 
You know what? I I mean, I'm going to be honest. He's not one of my favorite guys. I mean, he's mm-hmm. not. He, you know, he's a successful coach. I mean, I learned a lot from him in the time I was there, little things and all. But uh, I, I, I don't know. Let's put it this way. I'm going to be real honest. I'd love to play against one of his teams. Down when I, after I left Spokane and went to play pro, I'd have paid money to play against one of his teams. So I'll kind of leave it there. But I mean, not a guy I don't could care less if I ever seen him again. So <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, with um, how did you find like the Western Division compared to the East? Did you notice any difference, uh, or was you just playing as playing? I think playing was playing. I like to travel better in the east. I didn't like it out in the west, or in you know in the west. I think I'd actually rather make the three hour drive to Regina for Brown, and then I would to go from Spokane to Seattle. So it was. I didn't like going back and forth across the border. I didn't like going to Kamloops and Victoria and doing all that stuff. I liked it in Brandon because we went out there. It was a one time trip, right? Yep. It was kind of a new. It was a novelty to go out there and do it and see different cities and all that. But once. I love playing in Spokane. Like the city it was awesome. I just did not like traveling through the mountains all the time and doing that. So, no, East. I prefer the East Division for sure. Well, like that Spokane team that you were on, like you said, it was, uh, you know, like a tough. Yeah, I mean, you had Kevin Sawyer and Jezelowski and Darling and Paxton Schulte and uh, Sean Byrne and all them. Uh, Justin Hawking, Aaron Bow. I mean, that's a pretty tough team. Yeah, they actually traded Hawking and Bo and Bedner, I think, maybe, to yep. Medicine Hat. And then we ended up getting, like, Reeder and Townsend and McCabe, I think, came over. And I got traded there. I actually came. We all came in at the same time. Uh, yeah, that was a good team. You know, I really enjoyed playing with that team. There was a lot of good guys on that team. I, I really like Kevin Sawyer. I mean, he's an awesome, awesome guy. You know, I, I was so happy when I saw that guy get a chance to play in the NHL because that is the last guy you'd pick to play in the NHL. <laughs> yeah, watched him in junior hockey. Yeah, yeah. No, I. Yeah, I, I, I well, and then well, and you know, just without we, you know, we will go away from the toughness here for a sec. But you played with, uh, like Valerie Burry put up unbelievable numbers that year. Yeah, we we actually were in a bad team. I mean, we had uh, you know him and Betts, I think, was there, and like I said, we had Townsend, McCabe, Sean Gillum. You know, we had Johnny Duval came over from Medicine Hat. You know, it was I, it was a good team to play on. I I enjoyed playing there. Pop Olin was there, like yep. So yeah, good guys. And I, I I you know I I, got, I was happy to go to Spokane from Brandon. I mean, it was just a different little different vibe in Spoke. You know. You know, like I said, me and the coach probably didn't see eye to eye on a lot of stuff, but I enjoyed the guys that were there, that's for sure. Well, and your last, uh, we'll round out your your WHL career, your last fight in the Western Hockey League was against the future NHL tough guy, Chris Murray, in Kamloops. Do you remember that fight? I kind of do, yeah. I don't know if I did as well. <laughs> oh, he's a tough yeah. dude, yeah. Yeah, you know, we fought in Kamloops, I remember that. And he was another guy, it was kind of like a Myers, right? He just... He showed up all the time, man. I mean, there's a reason why he played in the NHL. I mean, he did not back down from anybody. I mean, he's he's a tough guy. There's no doubt about it. I think, I think I was happy to come out of that with not getting my face tape shot. So, 
Yeah, he was a tough dude, boy. Well, so like the following yeah. year, 93-94, you, you're uh, 20 and you head to the SJ. You head home to the uh, Weyburn Red Wings and you play for uh, Dwight McMillan, who I think is coached there for a thousand years. Uh, what was uh, what was the SJ like for you that year? Well, I was, like I said, at that point when I was done and getting done in spoke or whatever, I was contemplating hockey, you know, what I want to do. I'm not having a lot of fun anymore or whatever. Coming back to Weyburn, that was, you know, playing here on a team. Obviously, we went to the uh, Centennial Cup. I mean, it was, yeah. I couldn't ask for anything better. I enjoyed playing hockey again. You know, I had, you know, I racked up a whack of penalty minutes. I fought as much as I possibly could without missing games and suspensions or whatever. I think that year, I don't know if they, I think that year I ended up over 450 minutes in penalties. Like, I know I had 150 minutes in the playoffs alone. So, it was, uh, that year is kind of what put me over the top where I wanted to, I liked fighting. I wanted to, I didn't mind doing it, but I could play the game too. And yeah, I, I it was just got me, got me going to play hockey again, coming back to play for Weimar. Yeah. Well, and then just kind of, like I said, it was kind of tough to find some stats, but I was just kind of going through it and I'm just going to throw some names at you that. The listeners will know that that'll, I mean, there'd be a lot more if I looked deeper into it, but just kind of quickly looking at it. I know the guy who led the league in penalty minutes with 498, who would later go on to have 700 a few years later, was a guy named Calvin Crow. Did you guys ever cross paths? I don't think Crow ever played one game against us. I, I, I'm not sure if he was playing, was he in Humboldt or Nippon? I think he was up north, I think. He was in Humboldt that year. Humboldt that year? He set the penalty minute record in Nippon a few years later, though, yeah. Yeah, I don't remember if he actually, because I remember fighting against Humboldt down here that year, and I don't, I know it wasn't him, but, I mean, if you're putting up 400 minutes, I mean, there's a chance you're probably missing a few games here <laughs> or there. So, yeah. In that league, because you weren't allowed, you know, it was only a one fight, and you're out, so. Yeah, yeah what, did you, what did you guys think yeah. of that rule? Oh, I mean, they, that year, I mean, there could have been a three-fight rule that year. I don't, I mean, it was, there was enough tough guys in the SJHL then, too, that, I mean, putting up 400 minutes was pretty standard, well, too. I mean. Well, I was looking it up. Your regular season stats, you had 306 penalty minutes. According to the record book, your regular season was 306, and that put you seventh yeah. in the league. <laughs> Yeah, like I mean, there was yeah, there was no shortage of guys that were ready to run around and play fighting in that league. Yeah, you know, it was uh, you know, I think I had. I'm just trying to remember. I mean, I did the SJ without getting a bunch of swack of suspensions. You're probably sitting between the 11 and 15 fights, you know, kind of there. So any more, you're going to start missing a lot of games, eh? And I don't remember missing many games because we used to watch it, right? So once you went so many games and you didn't have something. You got a free. You started over again, eh? So guys would t- try to time it out. So if you know if you went three games and you didn't have a fight or something like that, then you were clean, and then you could have a fight. And you didn't get suspended, eh? That's how it worked back then. <laughs> okay. Um, well, just some other names. Well, there's a there's a cat down in Minot that went on to have a pretty good NHL career. Reed Lowe. Yeah, we fought very first game. I wouldn't be shocked if I was the first fight he ever had junior hockey. There you go. I remember it was my first first game. It was a preseason game in Minot, and uh, we went. We were down there, and uh, 
I remember this kid asking me, hey, Kopak, you want to fight? I'm like, sure, whatever. Eh? Like, it was about two minutes into the game, eh? And it, it ended up being Reed Lowe. So we had a good fight in Minot. I remember he was just a young guy there, but he was pretty pretty good size. And I remember coming off the ice and they're like, you're out of here. Because, I mean, I'm used to coming out of the Western Hockey League. They're like, you're out. I remember McMillan coming into the room after and saying, listen, Cole, if you can't fight two minutes into the game in this league, he says you're gone or whatever, right? But it was a preseason. But, yeah, yeah, it was Reed Lowe. That's what I fought there. Well, and then another guy from Flim Flon who bounced around the minors a little bit was uh, Curtis Voth. Yeah, we fought and wavered. I was just talking to somebody about that fight the other day, actually. I remember, because I remember there's two times in my life that I remember getting dinged where you don't know what direction is where. Yep. And it was one time in Quebec and one time fighting Voth and wavered. I remember he hit, we were going... Nobody didn't go down. I remember, but I remember that guy. He threw, he hit me so hard. My helmet probably went four feet in the air. And uh, I remember getting taken off the ice. I said I had that. And then, like I said, nobody went down. You didn't go down. But I mean, I remember going off the ice, asking the linesman. I said, "You got to tell me where the door is because I don't know which direction to go off the ice." You know, you're trying to be cool, so you. Yeah. And I remember going into the going in the dressing room and actually walking in the room, and. uh I had no idea where my stall was. I guessed because everything was upside down, sideways. I remember just guessing where my stall was. I think I got it right, but I had no idea where I was. <laughs> and I yeah. was against Bluff. <laughs> as, uh, as my friend, I've said this a few times, as my friend said, he goes, I didn't go down, but I was doing funny things standing up. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So concussions, yeah, I probably had a few. <laughs> yeah. The... Um, yeah, Father. Yeah, he's a tough dude. Um, well, so that uh, wraps up the junior here. We're uh, kind of cruising along here. I, like I said, I get uh, we'll just timeline it. So you, we'll just go. We'll just go right into the pro. Um, so your first season of pros in the Central Hockey League, ninety six, ninety seven, with the uh, Wichita Thunder, and you came out guns a blazing, three hundred and sixty five minutes in forty six games, but. Uh, before we kind of get into that, you played uh, with a legendary, for a legendary kind of hothead, Brian Wells. And then this was his first year. I looked it up, actually. This was the first year he was a coach. Yeah. What Do you have any Brian Wells stories, and what was he like? Oh, well, Wellsy was, I mean, he pushed hard to get me there. I mean, it was like the phone never stopped ringing when I could push, and so was it was kind of a battle between Oklahoma City and him, and Dougie Sauter was phoning me to come to Oklahoma City. And I remember Wellesy telling me, the sold me on the, you know, we got this, we had a lot of guys from the West, eh? Like, I mean, Neil Johnson, Dawsdall, it was uh, Marty Malmachuk was there, played with him. Like, you got to come to Wichita, come to Wichita. So that was the big, and he was a Western guy too. And yep. So, yeah, Wellesy, oh, man. But this way, I hope. I don't know if he ever listens, but I mean, Wellesley came on the bus with a briefcase and a 24 pack. That was Wellesley. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we were on a bus and it was, you know, Wichita to, uh, Fort Worth. <laughs> there wasn't any beer left in the case pretty much by the time we got to Fort Worth. <laughs> <laughs> we, 
the, the bus would leave the rink and we'd pick him up on the interstate. I don't know where he parked, but all I remember was him running across the freeway with a briefcase and a 24 pack and there was cars going every direction. <laughs> and we used to say it was frog. It looked like Frogger crossing the highway. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. like coming well, out of like junior or whatever and you're seeing this, are you just like, what the fuck did I get myself into? I'll tell you, man, it was an eye-opener because I had Bob Berg, Trevor Job, Camplon, uh, a guy by the name of Darcy Kaminsky. They had been playing, well, Job, I mean, Job had been playing for years. Yep. I mean, these guys, I mean, they lived hard, man. Like, yep. it was, I'm 23, and I'm coming out of my last previous two years were at Nate playing for, you know, college hockey, and uh, come down to this, and I'm like, yeah, exactly what I said. What what the hell is this or whatever? But yep. you know what? After about two weeks there, it was awesome. I love playing in Wichita. I, I mean, me and Melnichuk are very good friends, and uh, having him there, and we had a tough team in Wichita. I liked the league. I, my goal when I went to the Central League was to go there to put up a ridiculous amount of penalty minutes in a smaller league so I could get you know picked up by you know, get a chance to go to the IHL. Because actually I ended up there coming out of the IHL, right? I signed a 25-gamer with Quebec Raphaels okay. in the in, in the IHL and had a bunch of fights in Quebec. You know, me and Robert were fighting, and it was a ridiculous camp, the amount of tough guys they brought in there and did that. They wanted to, wanted to send me down. To, I was the last guy to leave Quebec in camp. They wanted to send me to Pensacola. I didn't want to go to Pensacola. I said, I'm still, I think I'm tough enough to play in the IHL. I don't want to go down. So I ended up clearing waivers. I said, no, I'm not going to uh, Pensacola. I ended up coming home for a week, decided to go to Pensacola, went down there, fought a whole bunch of guys in the, in, uh, camp, in uh, like Louis Bedard, Craig Johnson in camp and in, in exhibition games. And then they called me and said, well, we think we're going to trade you. I said, don't bother, I'm going back to school. And so I came home, played U of R, and then, long story short, I ended up in Wichita playing for those guys, and that's how I kind of ended up in Wichita and playing for Wellesley. And you know what? It was good league to play in. I loved the team we play, I had there. We knocked out Oklahoma City in the first round of playoffs. And you know what? Put up some good penalty minutes. Had a, I think at, I don't know how many fighting majors I had there. And... Me and Malnachuk ran around that league, like trying to put the fear of God in everybody. So, well, I know just kind of looking into the stats and stuff, and just trying to piece together how the season went. Yeah, you there was a big. Uh, I think it was a, was there a bench clearing in a pregame in December against Fort Worth, and like did Wells end up fighting Fort Worth's coach? Is that did I read that yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so here, the, how how that story goes is that Wellsy. I mean. Well, he had his briefcase and his other briefcase with him, and we drive, I don't know what it is, from Wichita to Fort Worth is probably, I don't know, four hours or whatever drive, I can't remember. By the time we get to Fort Worth, you know, well, he's, he feels really good, right? So <laughs> we're, we're, we dress or whatever, go out for the warm-up, and we're skating around, and he's watching the warm-up from the glass or whatever, and when you go in, when you play in Fort Worth and not the rink we were in, you have to go through the other team's end to get off the ice after warm-up. So our goalie, your backup goalie, was coming off the ice, and somebody from Fort Worth shot a puck at him as he's going out the door. Well, while he's standing right there, we all come to the dressing room. 
he comes in the room just he's literally crying or whatever because he was so pissed off and so mad that these guys shot a puck at our goalie coming off and somebody was we're going to do something about it eh? yeah yeah well don't worry we'll we'll do something about it or whatever eh? so we come back on the ice that lay have the carpet out on the ice for the national anthem singer and we're all coming to the benches to get ready for the national anthem and uh our wellsy says to our goalie the guy that got says why don't you go over and just spear that guy right as we're coming to the bench or whatever so our goalie goes up and spears this guy going as we're going to the benches the lady's out on the ice ready to sing the national anthem I have my helmet, my gloves off, everything's still on the bench because I'm sitting there getting ready to stand up for the national anthem. I look over and Wellesley's climbing up on the glass. Shit's starting to break out between the benches or whatever. So I'm like, piss on this. I just left everything on the bench. And then Wellesley knocked the glass down. Me and Dwight Mullen squared off at center ice. I'll never forget it. And I mean, we just went probably for two minutes straight, whatever. The national anthem lady's stuck on the ice. They're trying to get her off the ice because everybody's fighting or whatever. Wellesley knocks the glass down between the benches or whatever. And I think it's Bill McDonald or something is his name or whatever. Yep, yep. Wellesley's climbing through. I get done fighting with Mullins. I had Bill McDonald by the tie, pulling him down off the bit. I mean, it was just chaos, eh, whatever. So, yeah, I think I got a lot of games for that. I know I know it was in the hockey news. I read that, so. <laughs> well, then two weeks later, there's another big brawl in San Antonio. With with meat, with the meat grinder pissiac right in the middle of it, were you a part of that or were you suspended? Yeah, well, I was in the penalty box. I was uh, <laughs> I was already in the box or whatever. And me and me and, me and Pizak, I don't even want to get going on him because that's a guy I could follow around hockey. I mean, <laughs> I, did, I I have a I have a ton of respect for all the guys that I've fought and all that, and it's a job. But there are a couple guys you probably have a dislike for. So yeah. <laughs> And that's and there'd probably be one of them. So, uh, yeah, he was on the ice. Something all oh, shit broke loose there, or whatever. And I remember him. Melnichuk was on the ice. I was in the penalty box. Him and Melnichuk were fighting. I was in the penalty box. It was right in front of the penalty box. And I remember Melnichuk trying to stomp on him with a skate, and like Pizak rolling, rolling to get away because he was trying to step on him or whatever. I had a leg over the penalty box and was like trying to get Malachuk to get him closer to the penalty box so I could get a shot at him. And I'm like, should I leave the penalty box? And I remember the ref looking at me and I had, I was straddling the boards or whatever. And he's looking at me and he just waves his finger like, no, you don't get back in there or whatever. eh? So yeah, it was, that was pretty ugly too. I don't know how many games we got for that one. I, I don't know if I got any, but I think Melnichuk got a few because I think he might have got a match. <laughs> well, yeah, you, <laughs> yeah, you'd think so. But uh, yeah, the meat grinder, the stories of him. Well, it's, yeah, well, speaking of I it, think, but, I think I think Ron Aubrey was probably there too at that time, and he was probably the start of that shit too. So I don't know if you've ever heard of him. I have actually Doug Smith, uh, Doug the Thug from the from the Goon movie. In his book, he talks about Ron Aubrey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He uh, yeah. bounced around and fought everybody. Yeah. Well, well, speaking, you've mentioned him a few times, and obviously, uh, you know, with uh, you know, and he played down south for a few years. There it was Marty and the the meat grinder Malnichuk. What was uh, was he? Uh, you know, you hear a lot of hype and stuff about how tough he was. It's all legit. Yeah, like Marty's had no, like, you couldn't hurt him, right? Like, he just 
he loved it. Like that was, he, he woke up in the morning, he talked about it. You know, other guys are trying to do, you know, I don't, I got, I don't need to stress about this all day, but I mean, he was, you know, he was always concerned about how, how he did and all that. Eh? Like just, yeah. I mean, he's a different guy. I mean, if he's, he plays a hot, you know, 60 game season, if you let him go, he's going to fight twice a night. That's just the way he was. Yeah. No, you wanted to be, I, I'm, you know, honestly, if we were playing against each other, I would never go after Marty or anything like that. And he'd be the same with me. There would, that would be off limits. That's just how close we were that year. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I hear he's in Edmonton right now running a bar. So I'm hoping to run into him again someday. Well, he was running for council. Uh, I saw a city sign. Yeah, he was running for uh, city council at Edmonton. If it said vote for oh, the meat, vote for the meat grinder. <laughs> well, well, I thought he was doing some MMA too. I saw a little bit that he was. Yeah, you know, yep. looking pretty big too. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know what he was doing, but yeah, he looked about three times the size of what he was when we played hockey. So yep. Yeah, he. Uh, yeah. Well, and then you played with another former dub guy, former. Comp- Former uh, opponent, now teammate, was uh, you kind of mentioned him earlier, but uh, Corey Dosdal, what was it like to be on the same team as him? You know, yeah, he was, you know, he's uh, kind of like that Yak Commission type, right? He just, yep. you know, he fought all the, took on all the middleweights. Like, I mean, if you look back in the Central Hockey League back at that time and, and you look, if you follow it, you'll see every, most of the top scorers in that league had around 300 minutes of penalties, right? Yeah. That's, like the, the Doug Lawrence's, the Paul Jackson's, the George DuPont's, all these guys, like they could put up 80, 90 points a year and still put up 300 penalty minutes. That's how it was then. Yep. <laughs> Excuse me. And Dawsey was the first guy to go after those guys. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> just, just, you know, spear them, fight them, do whatever he could. It was awesome because you had guys, we had guys in every weight class, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so she was a yeah, different time. Good guy. Yeah, I've never. I don't know if I've ever seen him again since we played hockey. So I don't know where he's living now. But, but uh, well, and here's another guy, uh, Clint Collins. Clint Collins, yeah, he he wasn't. He showed up in Wichita, I think, for a little while, didn't he? If I remember right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was he with? Yeah, yeah. He wasn't there very long. Ah, he's a kind of a bit of a. I don't know what you call him, a yin yang guy. I mean run around I mean he'd be the type of guy that throw his helmet and you know at somebody or you know but uh definitely not a guy I don't know if you were a heavyweight guy you wouldn't be too 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 worried about him but you, ne- you never know he might also you know chuck his stick at you or whatever something like that <laughs> yeah it was just one of those guys it's like yeah he just put up the uh like just ridiculous amount of penalty minutes, and it was just I just wanted to get your feel. Yeah, like I'm looking at his stats. He had 1,400 penalty minutes in 148 games. You know, so it's just like yeah. Like I mean, there was time. I mean, I want to say like, I mean, I mean, I put up 335 minutes in penalties, and I mean, when when you got 35 of those are fighting majors. I mean, we're not taking a lot of misconducts and nope. you know match penalties and stuff like that. That's you know. That wasn't my game. That's not the way it was. If I, you know, if I had, uh, you know, 100 minutes of penalties, I'd like him to be 20 fighting majors. You know what I mean? Yep. So, you know, we worked hard to get those penalty minutes. It wasn't like <clears throat> we were padding them with game misconducts or doing stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah. And I think you know, it's pretty. You can you can run up 200 minutes in 10 games pretty quick if you're acting like a you know a donkey out there. You know. Yep. Yep. 
well, here's a guy that you fought a bunch of times. Was there like a personal thing or is it just happened to you? But you guys were banging into each other and it just happened was, uh, Jason Rushton. Yeah, it was kind of, I don't know if it was personal. I mean, I didn't really, I don't know how many times we fought. Usually it was every game, but. Yeah, you fought him five just, times you know that what? year. Rushton was a good hockey player. Yes, you know, he was. He, like, he put up quite a few points in that league that year, if I remember right. And I mean, he's a lefty, I know that. And he, I think Rushton had a little bit of chance to play high level hockey too, eh? You know, like he. He'd show up and fight a guy like me, and I'd probably outweigh him by 35 pounds. You know, I was 230 pounds. He's probably pushing 190, and he had no problem showing up fighting guys like me or anybody else. But I don't know if it was a dislike for the guy. I just think it was one guy in Tulsa. I mean, when you start playing each other, you know, 10, 12 times a year. Yeah, it just happens. You, know, you start, you start to, you start to get a real dislike for people sometimes, I guess. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, no, good guy, good like good player. I mean, so I, you know, honest guy. Well, so then the the following season, you signed with uh, Raleigh in the East Coast League, ninety seven, ninety eight, and it was uh, you you and uh, Rizanzov taking on the world that year. Yeah, it was. Uh, how was your How was your time in uh, in Raleigh? Oh, you know what I. Probably my closest friends today are the guys that I've started in Raleigh with. Uh, you know, I wanted I wanted to shift over to the East Coast Hockey League. Just, you know, I wanted so uh, yeah, like guys that I played with, like Rizanzoff was there, and Paul Ferone, uh, Lars Patterson, Brian Forsland, guys that I come. We all ended up in Raleigh together. I don't know really how we all ended up there, but a lot of Western guys, and uh, it was the last year of the team there too. So yep. Uh, but yeah, me and Rizanzov become real good friends. We're still, you know, I'm still good friends with a lot of those guys today. So we had a, it was the East Coast Hockey League was tough man, back then. I mean, a little different than the Central Hockey League, you know, where you got. You know, yeah, what, what were kind of the there. what were kind of the differences that you noticed between the Central and the East Coast League at that time? Well, this, this, the East Coast League was guys that, you know, were guys that probably a lot of them just coming out of junior. You know, like, and it wasn't just the Western League; it was the OHL or the Quebec Major Junior. We all end up in the East Coast Hockey League. A lot of them were drafted guys as tough guys or whatever, and then you know they'd start out in NHL camp, go through American League camp, end up down in uh, East Coast League. So, what's the first thing they want to do when they're in East Coast Hockey League? They don't want to be there; they want to work their way back up. So, I mean, you want to fight, go to the East Coast Hockey League back in the you know mid '90s because. Every team had four or five guys, and I mean, you had to be you, know, you you had to be on your game. I mean, it was nothing like junior, you know, nothing like the Central Hockey League. No disrespect, but I mean, when you're going into Charlotte, and I played in Raleigh, and I always tell when your lineup is Pierrenton, Mike Hartman, Eric Bolton, Andre Waugh, yep. you know, you know what's going on, man. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we we had a tough team in Raleigh too that year. I mean, Rizanzov's a tougher. He just came out of the American League too, eh? Yep. Because he played in Fredericton as a twenty-year-old, and he was one of the he had the six most pims in the American League or six most fights in the American League as a twenty-year-old. So, yeah, we had a lot of a lot of good. You know, it was a good team, tough team. If you weren't a tough team back then, you were going to have a long year. 
Yeah. Well, and like you said, the East Coast with Bolton and those guys, and like a guy like you remember playing against Kevin Evans. Yeah, we fought in Mississippi one time. Yeah, yeah, like him. He was there. I mean, him and I scrapped in Mississippi. That was right at the beginning of the year. Yep. I mean, he's a he is he's only like about five ten, yeah, two hundred pounds. And he, I mean, he's he'd already played how many years of pro hockey? You know, sets a penalty minute record in pretty much pro hockey. Like, yep. He, and, you know, he, I remember just wanting to kill the guy because he was just. <laughs> he never quit, right? You're right. You're fighting, 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 and he's not stopping. Like he's gonna keep going, right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. That was. Uh, I mean, Mississippi. Yeah, I can still remember the guys like Matt Roger Maxwell, him, uh, Bruce Boudreau was coaching them. You know, so. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, like you said, every team back then, it just seemed to be kind of stacked up. Like you had, like you said, with Bolton, and then like Peter Vandermeer. Well, and then here's your first run-in with uh, someone you become familiar with later on was Joel Thero, the animal. How was he back then? Yeah, well, yeah he was just out of junior, I think, too. Yep. He was a pretty young kid. Yeah, he was in Hampton, I think, playing. Yeah, he was not, you know, nothing like he became. I mean, he's there's a guy that went to Hawk, you know, we all come down there coming with a dream that we're all going to score 50 points and do this and that. But I mean, that's just not the way. I mean, I'm pretty sure he did enough fighting in junior, but you come down there and you know, you're six foot four, 220 pounds, you know, chances are you're going to end up fighting. And that's, yep. you know, and I think he played for Brope and Hampton Road. So it's, you know, pretty cut and dry what your job's going to be. Yep. Know? Yep. But, uh, he, he got a lot tougher. The more fights he got in too. I think we all did. So, yeah, well, you know, they, they weren't really the one team that I think that was probably everybody tried to keep up with at that time was, uh, you know, Louisiana ice skaters always loaded up with tough guys. Uh, Birmingham Bulls, same thing. I mean, you know, it's pretty look at the coaches, Doug Shedden, Dennis DeRozier, right? So if you didn't fight, you weren't going to play there. Yep. Yeah, well, like you said, I mean, even the <laughs> even the coaches take a round out of you if you had to. It was, uh, yeah, she's just a, a different time back then. Uh, well, here's a guy you fought him a couple times. Actually, he had three fights that game in Hampton Road, but you fought him twice. It was Ron Magic? Yeah, he's he's a different guy, man. Pretty, he's a big man. Yeah, I was gonna say he's a big dude. Oh, I mean, I I was I don't know I I wasn't small back no. then. I mean, I'm. 6'4", 220, 230 pounds. I mean, I mean, Magic was probably pushing 6'5", 250. Like, tough guy. You know, he did, you know, he wasn't my, I fought him a couple times, but he had a big uh, war going with a guy named Richard Irwin on our team. That's what I remember. <laughs> yeah, and uh, every time we went into Hampton Roads, she was, one thing was starting right out at the beginning of the game. There was, <laughs> Brof had him all, all his guys dressed and, we always had our guys dressed, so yeah, and we usually come out on top too. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, like you said, it was uh, you were loading up. Well, so 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 the following year, Raleigh moves to Augusta. Now, how did how how did things go in Augusta for you? Oh, that was a lot different. I mean, you go from Raleigh, where you're playing in front of uh, thirteen hundred people a night, to averaging you know six thousand a night in Augusta. It wasn't hard to get up for games to play there. I mean, we had basically the same team we brought with us from Raleigh, so we still had, you know, 
You and Rez. His hands off Throne and Thompson and, you know, guys like that. It was just, yeah, I mean, they love fighting, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I know when you if you want to fight down there at that time, you, you probably could be mayor. <laughs> yep. Yeah, she was a. They took they took to me pretty well down there. I, you know, I I enjoyed playing there. I know, I know at the, I know they sold my jersey there for a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Well, I know. I was just talking to like I've been trying to get uh, setting up a time with uh, Thompson to come on the show, and I briefly had talked to him on the phone, just kind of setting things up, and uh, and he was saying he he mentioned how much he enjoyed Augusta. Oh yeah, I mean, I don't know if you'll ever see anything like that again. Anytime those teams that showed up into the in the South like that, and hockey was there kind of the first time. I mean, it it was every night you could go to a different place like PD or whatever, Louisiana, Mississippi. I mean, it was six, seven thousand people. You know, Richmond. It was it, it was good back then. Yeah, you know, the fans, like I said, they loved their fighting and. If you were doing that, you were pretty popular. Yeah, it was pretty much, you always just heard, yeah, it was, uh, you know, 50 cent dropped and let's see some tilts, right? That was kind of the selling point of Southern hockey. Oh, yeah. Yep. I mean, I don't know what they charge to get in. If it was 10 bucks, I'd be surprised what it cost to go to a game. And I mean, you're making, yeah, I know the owners there. I mean, <laughs> they weren't hurting, you know, when, the, you know, so kind of, I just think when the, when the tough times hit down there and all that stuff went on, a lot of those teams took it pretty hard. So, yeah. <coughs> Pardon me, but uh, yeah. So that just like in hockey in general, I mean, obviously now it's expand, you know, expansion and the NHL, and I mean, just things, you know, the world's changed, obviously. But I mean, even as late as the, uh, you know, as as the nineties, um, you know, the people down south. I mean, how. Like you were just saying, how good they were. It's like did they they kind of really took to you guys, and uh, I I imagine oh. the fan support would just be unbelievable. Yeah, like I mean, hell, you could show up at the rink and there was uh, tickets to some thing going on in Augusta, and you know you you basically went to the bar in Augusta. You know when we go to the bar, you didn't pay. Like it was you know tip the tip the weight the bartender. Yeah, we drank all night for free. You know, it was, uh, and then go to leave the bar. Uh, how are you guys getting home while we're driving? Okay, here's the police. We'll escort you. You know, I shouldn't say that, but that's how it was <laughs> back then. It was like, oh, you're Dan Kolberger, you're Jesse Rosanza. Oh, you're here. Can you sign this for my kid? This is the police doing that. You know, <laughs> it was, it was unreal. You kind of the local. Well, yeah, you guys were the local celebrities. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I went to the Masters. I didn't pay. You know, like, it was, I had fans leave me t- their passes to go to the Masters. You know, <laughs> it's crazy. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I think Thompson was saying the same thing. Yeah, going to the Masters or whatever. And Yeah, no, that'd have been, well, yeah, so you play, uh, so you're, you, well, and then, like you said, and there's still, obviously, it's the, you know, we'll go, no shortage of toughness. I mean, uh you, you, but you took on like a guy like Jason Hamilton and Jason Clark and Maxwell. Like, how were those fights? I mean, well, speaking of, there you go, Jason Clark. He is hockey's all-time penalty minute leader. You know? Yeah, you know, like Clark's like they you. 
I don't know if you, they love doing it or they just want to do it. I mean, I, I at that point, I was at a place where I liked doing it. I you, you almost couldn't wait to do it. I'd have to think a lot of these guys, some were like that, some weren't like that. But, I mean, Clark just did it because, you know what, I, I really think he liked it. Not a bad fighter, like, but, I mean, not a scary guy. I mean, he's not. Yep. He's not six foot four, two hundred and thirty pounds. He's not even looks like he's in very good shape, but pretty good technical fighter. Like I mean, I still got a lot of those fights on video. And uh Maxwell I don't know if he actually liked it that much. I mean I'd have to ask him, I guess, but I mean he was kind of a gamer, big guy. Yeah, you're only here for one reason type of thing and did it. Hamilton, Jason Hamilton, you could ask Rizanzoff Thompson, not a guy we like not a popular guy today <laughs> you know if he was there you'd chase him down to go and fight him every time so <laughs> yeah like what was the deal? like Hamilton because I know he went on obviously uh, to the Quebec League and I mean I had friends that coached and played in the Quebec League so I mean I'd hear the stories and I know fucking Patrick Cote wanted to fucking kill him and it was just like and there's yeah, a we, bunch of guys that wanted to kill Hamilton it's like what what was his deal it's just an he resounds off same way. Yeah, you just want to, you just want to pick. There's like I said, most of these guys, uh, you know, awesome guys. You meet them today, you'd sit and drink beer and do whatever. But there's uh, a couple of guys that you would probably still want to go out in the parking lot and fight. Not be one of them. <laughs> just just the motor mouth, never shut up. Always on, you know, in the warm up, talking like he's going to do something. And you know what? Half the time, maybe I don't know if he ever would, unless it was a cheap shot or something like that. That's that's there's there was guys like that i mean i don't care if anybody hears it or sees you know nowadays whatever i'd still call a spade a spade so yeah you know that's he's one of those guys you just get under your skin and you just want to you know you don't even care how you do it you're gonna get him somehow yeah yeah i've uh you like i said you weren't the first person to tell me that about hamilton yeah he uh he was a, he was a hated dude for sure um, yeah well, so in, in uh, well, I was just in November. You had a three fight game in in Greenville. It was capped off with the like the line brawl. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, how, how tired? How tired were you after that game? <laughs> you know what? It's not even a. Honestly, it doesn't even. I don't know how other guys take it. I didn't even. You come out of there going awesome three fights, man. That's great. I'll I'll do it again tomorrow. That's, yeah. How it was like it just didn't matter. You you know it wasn't. Uh, there's no fear. There's no you know. You're always nervous when you fight. But I mean, I've always told people. For me, my the most clear thinking, the most relaxed I have ever am is once a fight starts. To me, it was like a rush of adrenaline that you just. There's no better place to be at that time when you're just about to fight. The four or five hours leading up to it, nobody probably the worst time. You know, I think if you yeah. ask a lot of hockey guys today, I mean, you don't sleep well, you don't eat well, you don't do nothing. And I think after years and years of that, it takes its toll on you mentally. I yep. think it maybe still bothers me a bit today, like that type of stuff. But but once it's on, once it's happening, nah, that's best time right there. So. Well, it's funny. When I interviewed Chris Waltz, he said the exact same thing. That moment when you're kind of squaring off, he's like, that's like, that feeling is und- indescribable, and it was just like you're just in that zone in that pocket, and it's just like it just feels right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because there's nowhere else to go, right? Yeah. Like you can't 
you can't run away. You can't do anything. It's there's no one coming to help you. It's just you. Like you so, yeah. It's the point of no return at that point. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's. I mean, some people would think that's. You know, I mean, obviously, if you talk to people like that today, they can't even process what you're talking about. But it is, and you know what? You're doing it for a reason. You're doing it for a purpose. I know you get all these people talking on Twitter about oh this. They don't understand that we're we're not doing it just because I like fighting. I do it because I do it for the 18 other guys that are on the bench with me. You got, those are your, you know, that's like a family, a team. If I can get us going, you know, it isn't personally for me. I want to get the guys amped up. We're here to play hockey. That's how it's going to be. It isn't because I'm just a, a thug running around on the ice. Like I took pride in playing learning to play the game what fighting did for me personally and i mean i had a coach tell me this one time that coached against me he says i watched you come into the east coast talking his name was john marks he said you know you just came in as a fighter but what fighting did is it bought you more time it gave you a spot you know an opportunity to stay here and play and i said and he says you became like a top four defenseman so to me that meant a lot like you know Absolutely. like i said we did it for the re- to help our team that was why we were doing it wasn't just to go out because I felt like getting in. If I want to fight every night, I might as well just go to the bar, right? Yep. Well, and, oh. it, and it, like you said, well, just to go on the, the Twitter thing, I won't go on too much of a rant, but nothing drives me more nuts than when I read on Twitter and like, and it's some goof. Yeah, it's usually the media, but of course now all the new age fans have picked up on this. They like to use that term staged fight. And they're like, oh yeah, like when you see, like a fight will happen, you go, oh, well, that didn't mean anything. Well, how do you oh, know what it meant? You're not even on the ice. You don't know what it does to the bench or, you know, I just hate that shit. Yeah, well, yeah, there's, there was a point to it. That's, and you can ask any fighter. I mean, you talk, you probably, you'll talk to lots of them. They're the most loved guy on the team. Everybody thinks the world of them. You don't dislike any of Even the guys I dislike, I'm sure when they're on their team, like, you know, Hamilton or whoever, they love having him because he's there, you know, sticking up for him or doing what he's got to do in his job. And I mean, that's, that was why we, you know, you go down the East coast hockey league and I mean, put it back. You start off with a fight off the opening and face off. And that was the right time to fight. Not at the end of the game. You know, I learned that from Brove. You set the tone right off the start. You got 7,000 people on their feet and you know, you got a good hockey game going on after that. And if, if shit breaks out after that, it's probably because somebody ran somebody or did something stupid and you answered for it. And that was, and that's why I like the East Coast Hockey League because it was, you know, you fought with a purpose. You didn't, you know, yeah, there was the odd shit show that went on, but that's how we approached it. It was, you know, let's get everybody going tonight. We're, or we're Sunday afternoon at 3 o'clock and we're playing our third game at 3 o'clock. I'll get this shit going right now. Chances are you had a fight off the bat. Razanzov comes in, another fight breaks out. We probably win the game. You know, that's just how it was. Yeah. Well, I'm going to throw some names at you, like that were in the East Coast at the time and, you know, uh, you know, I know, you know, with the travel and stuff down there, sometimes you didn't see a lot of them, but, uh, just kind of get your thoughts if you have any on them. Was, uh, well, here's, uh, Kevin Holiday. Uh, yeah, I remember him. He was, I think he was in Baton Rouge or whatever, but yeah, another, you know what? Real nice guy. I actually talked to him, I think, in Quebec, actually, is where I ran into him uh, when we were playing out there. He, he just did a job, right? And, you know, yep. He's, Honest, pretty honest fighter. I don't know if you ever seen that one hockey video on the internet, or whatever, where he, 
cheap shot at that one guy kind of in a fight or whatever. Yeah, pain. There's, there's yeah. a video, and he felt bad about doing it. But, I mean, that's, you know, he's a, he showed up to play, and he fought every night. And, you know, it was just like everyone, every other guy, you know, like doing his job. So Yeah. Well, you mentioned him. You had fought him in the preseason a few years earlier. But, uh, and, of course, he went on to legendary status in the Quebec League. But uh, Louis Bedard. Yeah, he's he was that type of guy to get his team going. Not a very big guy. He's pretty, nope. you know, he's probably only five eight, five nine. When I played against him, you know, we didn't like him. Yep. <laughs> I'll be brutally honest. Me and Rizanzov did not like him. We, you know, you you would not you you looked for him when he was on the ice. He wasn't hard to find because he'd always go with you. But yeah, not a guy. I actually fought him times I don't even think are even on record, to tell you the truth. I know I fought him in the East Coast Hockey League when I was playing in exhibition seasons that aren't even recorded. I think I fought Louis Bedard probably five or six times. Yeah. But he was kind of a wide-open, let-it-go kind of fighter, from what I can remember oh, yeah. from the video I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. Head like a rock, man. You know, you could hit him ten times in his head. He didn't flinch, right? Yeah. Well, speaking you of another guy like was... A, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was kind of like a domey, right? Yep. You can't hurt him, you know. Yep. Well, I was going to say, another guy that fought wide open, and of course everyone's seen the, the legendary fight versus Ken Tasker, but another guy, Trevor Sen. Yeah, same type of guy, wide open. Yep. Not a very big guy either, eh? He's only 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, but, uh, yeah, he's, you know, they can throw both hands or whatever too. It's, you know, those guys, even when you're a guy like my size or bigger, you fight those guys, you better be ready because... <laughs> They can catch you. Like here's yep. Those are probably the guys I dislike fighting the most. Are guys that were five foot eight, five. It's hard for a guy that's six foot four, you know, honestly, to fight some of those guys because it's just they always seem they'll have the leverage on you. They're you know they're lower, they're more centered. I mean, I'd much rather fight a guy that was six five. You know, I was gonna be. I was gonna say yeah. So you'd rather fight a guy like same size as you? I'd rather fight a guy bigger than me. Well, you say it wouldn't probably be too many guys that you fought that were bigger than you, though. But uh, I get what you're oh, saying, though. Yeah, by, yeah. By the time I left East Coast Hockey League, I was probably one of. I was not. I. I mean, I'm six four, two forty. I wouldn't consider myself big. That's, that's, to tell you the truth, that's that's scary when you think about it. Yeah, but with six four, two forty, isn't big. Yeah, that, uh, that tells you the size of the guys that you're going up against. Well, speaking of a big dude yep. that went on to have an awesome NHL career was Jody Shelley. Yeah, and I never, because when I was in Raleigh and Augusta, I think Shelley was playing in Johnstown. Yes, he was. We never, ever crossed into the north to play those teams, eh? So I never, never, ever ran across him at all. I knew about him, but I yeah. we were in different divisions. It's pretty, yeah, in East Coast Hockey League, sometimes you don't see all the teams, eh? Yeah. Did you ever cross paths with Leon DeLorme? Uh, I I don't think so. I'm again. I think he was probably up in the north, and I was down in the south. Eh? Yeah, there was a lot of guys like I never actually ran across. Like when I was playing in Raleigh or whatever, I never crossed paths with Jared Burnett. You know, like yeah. I know Burnett because he was actually with the way he was with us with the Wayman Red Wings when we first like, came back here. But I never well, crossed. Hold, paths hold on, hold on. Really, Burnett was on Wayburn? Burnett know. played in the preseason. Jared Burnett played in the preseason with us for the Weyburn Red Wings. Really? I didn't know and that. They did not, and they couldn't, you know why he was pretty much let go? Well, he couldn't he skate. Couldn't fight. 
Well, he couldn't fight. He couldn't skate. Well, he, he wasn't I, a very good fighter. Well, I remember he had a like uh, like he was always willing, but he always had balance issues. Like it looked like he yeah. was on roller skates. Would not would not be scared. I mean, he was nice kid. I remember actually trying to kind of help him out. Eh? Yeah, and uh, he they gave him every opportunity, but he just, just yeah he wasn't a strong enough skater, and he really wasn't. He was a big kid, but he wasn't scaring anybody. You know what I mean? Yep. So yeah, and then and then I watched the kid. <laughs> well, it's funny because he ends up playing for the Anaheim Ducks for that. So. Yeah, the Anaheim, they had the soft spot. They had Sawyer and Burnett. I mean, those are two dudes. Well, like, one thing with Sawyer, Burnett, there was no way I ever thought he would get NHL time, let alone a season. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and that's kind of when you're in the East Coast Hockey League and you see, I don't know where I was at the time, but I might have been in Quebec by then. But you kind of see guys going up and down, and you're, which was the number one reason why I, you know, I wanted to get out of the South Division. So. <laughs> Yeah, well then, uh, well then I'll throw one last name at you, and he kind of went on too. Was uh, Sugden, Brandon Sugden? Yeah, yeah, played against him quite a while in Quebec. Never crossed paths in the East Coast Hockey League, but uh, you know what? Just kind of a I, one. I mean, I seen him fight enough in uh, Quebec. I don't know if we were. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if we fought in Quebec. Actually, I don't think we did. But it was usually a war with somebody else. But he. Uh, yeah, just a tall, lanky kid or whatever. He could kind of throw, had his own style fighting and, you know, just total gamer, man. Never, wouldn't back down from nobody. Just liked doing it, you know. Well, I think he ended up getting banned for life from the East Coast League for throwing a stick on the crowd. Or yeah. Something. Oh, is that right? Yeah. I thought I heard something about that. No, yeah. Yeah, you know what? Never just kind of a quiet guy too i think he never really says much and just sometimes those guys are pretty scary <laughs> yeah well so then we go into like 99 2000 you're back at augusta uh you and rez again and uh so after like two full seasons like obviously you know talking with you here you, you guys obviously had a very strong bond um was it kind of going into games was it uh did you guys kind of like, okay, you take him, I'll take him, or was it like unspoken, or or was there like a competition between the two of you to see who, you know what I mean? Like, I think it was a point where uh, with me and him where if I saw him fighting, I didn't want him to fight, so I would jump in, or he'd do the same for me. I know there was a time we got into a fight, kind of a, for a fight, you know, against somebody in the coast, and I pushed him out of the way and grabbed him or whatever. You know, we lived together too, right? So... You know, if he had a bad hand or something like that, or I knew, or shoulder, or whatever, he wasn't going to fight. I was going to make sure that I, you know, I was going to jump in and take it for him, and he'd do the same for me. So, yeah, no, there was, it was not, sometimes there was that, you know, you take Clark or I'll take Bedard type thing. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then. Uh... Or, or, or I'll take Max while you take somebody, you know, whoever, you know, like that type of shit. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. They, um, well, like you were saying before, I mean, that's just got to be so, uh, um, kind of, well, I guess the word would be comforting, really, or whatever, that you kind of have, like, that backup. Like, you know, there's no question that he's going to be there. And him and with you as well. I mean, that's got to be a lot. I mean, that's just got to be so much easier. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know if you always have friends like that on your team, you know, that even after hockey, you know, you're still, 
you know, if, if I can get to Edmonton, I'm going to go, for, you know, we, you know, I'll, I always stop and see him or I'll spend, you know, the night with him or whatever, like to, with his family. So yeah, it was just, that was, it was almost like brothers. Right. So, yep. you know, I, I'm not sure if they feel kids are like that today or they have that type of camaraderie or stick up. I can only imagine it's probably, probably not, but <laughs> cause I don't, you know, being fighting and all that type of stuff too, is just a little bit different than being, he plays left wing on my line, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you know, and again, it, you know, it's, uh, the toughness just keeps kind of going on and on in that league. And here's a, there's, I know you fought the one, here's a big dude that, uh, was uh Varhog. Oh, oh yeah. The, the big tall guy. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I actually still have a, I have a, fight tape i think of about an hour of fights or something that i have and he's on there with me i know that he didn't he didn't fare so well in that fight <laughs> i remember that you did pretty good I against him was, yeah oh i think he broke his nose i broke his nose eh the poor kid i remember him sitting he came out on the ice we're playing in greensboro i think yes you were and i believe it was brubaker might have been coaching jeff brubaker sent him over the boards eh to fight me Lines right up on the face off, and I can tell he didn't say anything to me, but he just, I'm like, yeah, I know why you, they sent you out here or whatever. Yeah, that didn't go well for him. The poor kid sat on the bench the rest of the game with plugs up his nose. Yeah, oh, what a job. Yeah, he, uh, well, he ended up, uh, like you said, going down to the LNAH there, and he was there for a long time in the LNAH, and he really became kind of one of the top dogs in that league, and he he yeah, he, really. he destroyed some dudes. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, I didn't didn't have a lot of balance, and I mean, he didn't punch very quick. I'll tell you that. Yeah, he was. I remember I kind of felt bad for him actually after he sent him out on the ice. So. Yeah, I think that was his first year as a pro. I think he was right out of Lethbridge in the dub. I think and. Uh, yeah. Big and gangly. Yeah. Well, another big dude is uh, that went on to play in the NHL was uh, Ivanez. Oh yeah, him. Yeah, I remember fighting him a couple times too. Yep, yep. Yeah, we fought in uh, down south once, or whatever. And I remember the next time I think I fought him. I think I might have played Wheeling. He was playing up there, and the kid was probably about forty pounds heavier than he was when I fought him the first time. The guy's—he's a mountain, eh? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, not bad with him either. He, him and I were. It was a good fight. I know. I, I know. I would didn't lose to him. That's for sure. Well, and there was a guy that went on to actually had a couple had a good run there in the American League for a few years. And I know you fought him uh, a couple times. Was right at the end of the year. Was Richard Scott? Oh yeah, yeah, him. Yeah, he's another kind of a. He likes it, no doubt about that. The crazy, the crazy ginger. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think he was in Charlotte. Yes, he was. Because he was with, yeah, because he played for the, and he was trying to get, I think he was part of the New York Rangers, whatever, right? Yeah, because he played in Hartford yeah. for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah, fought him a couple times too. I think that was a one and one deal, maybe. I know he, he jumped me. <laughs> yeah, well, I was going to say, you fought this other guy three times. I know he's uh, uh, Ty Jones. There's another big kid. He was a high end draft pick, oh, too. Yeah. yeah, fought twice in one night. I think we fought, fought in the playoffs. Yep. Yep. Yeah, pretty pretty good fighter too. Could play. He was drafted pretty high, I think too. First round, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They uh, 
yeah, it just never kind of worked out for him. But uh, yeah, he was a big kind of too. a different. Uh, didn't have a lot of pretty quiet. Eh? Yep. Like he's not a. He wasn't. You know, didn't run around or whatever. But if you woke him up, he was that type of guy. Well, and then yeah, so the. So they think you kind of like we were talking about before. You kind of had that year off and stuff, and then uh, you come back and you have a. I got to ask you about this. You have a. It says preseason only. You were with Wilkesbury, and you had yeah. a fight in that pre. There was fourteen fights in that game. I was looking it up, and you fought Wingfeld. Yeah, yeah. There was because uh, I remember that was a home and home with Syracuse at that time. And they played in Wilkesbury the night before, and there was a whole bunch of older guys, vet guys dressed. And then there was a couple fights in that game, and I don't know if Wilkesbury, the guys didn't do so well. So then the next night, we had all these other guys, like, I mean, I don't know how many tough guys we had in that camp or whatever. And they're like, you're all playing at Syracuse the next night. So the next night, and then Syracuse dressed every guy they had. I mean, there was like, Reach, Jeremy Reach, and Srubko, and yep. uh, Wingfield, and I think Legault was there. Yep. Like, yep. It was, a oh yeah, 14 fights? Yep. Easily. <laughs> yep. David Oliver. Yep. David Oliver, yeah. I and mean, we had like myself, Tosker, Ness, Watson, uh, Benefield. Like, it was like, shit was going to happen, man. It was, I remember pushing Watson out of the way to fight Wingfield. How'd that fight go with Wingfeld? He's got a reputation. Yeah, it was pretty. I don't pretty even. He was kind of a. He's kind of a pretty like muscled up dude, eh? Yep. But no, I didn't have no trouble. I didn't. I mean, I'd be honest. If, uh, you know, he's a strong guy, but I did. I'm. I had quite a few fights under my belt by the time I ran into him. So. Yep. We we were we were pushing each other out of the way to get into fights, right? That was kind of how it was, because it was, you know, yeah, oh yeah, that was that was the American League preseason back then. Oh yeah, well, and this represents kind of it's your final year in the East Coast League, and you played for the Wheeling Nailers, and you play under legendary coach John Brophy. Now everybody has a few Brophy stories. Do you have any? I don't know how many you've heard, but I. the one story, I mean, I, I was just talking to my wife about this. I still can't get out of my head is that we, the story goes is he, when I played in Wichita, I played with a guy named Darcy Kaminsky who played for Brof in Hampton Roads, I don't know how many years. And he used to tell me about Brof, how he loves his dogs, right? Always walks his dog at the rink every morning. And that was his deal. Eh? So, Anyway, we get down to Wheeling. I have my wife and my son or whatever, and and all the married guys' girlfriends live in one type of building, and then the single guys live in another building or whatever. But anyway, we come to the rink, and bro finds out the guys brought their pets with them, like their dogs, eh? So he says, everybody has to get rid of their dog. And there's like, so I don't know, we had a guy on our team named Colin Chalk, I think he's still coaching in the East Coast Hockey League or whatever. He was our leading he would have been our leading scorer. He's a hundred point guy. And so Brof is in the room, he says, Everybody's getting rid of their dog. Chalk says, I'm not getting rid of my dog. He's like, Yeah, you are. No, I'm not getting rid of my dog. He says, well, like basically what are you gonna do? Brof absolutely cuts him right on the spot. 
<laughs> you're out because he wouldn't get rid of his dog and he says i'm not even trading you he said i won't i don't even want anything for you he says hit the road you're out <laughs> we just lost our 100 point guy yeah. he had his dog so next we're going to Rolf lived in a hotel right in in wheeling okay so he never had a house so then the next sometime during the season his wife lived in roanoke virginia so that's and i remember going we we're playing in roanoke so she would uh, you know he was going home so she'd come to the see him or visit him or whatever i'm walking through the hotel in roanoke his wife is named nancy she comes up to me she says dan can you get Rolf to come down and see the dogs so I'm just being a smart ass. I, I go, yeah, I'll get him or whatever. I just walked up to Brof or whatever, and I said, yeah, Brof, guess what? Your dogs are here. Like, he just looked at me. He knew exactly what I was doing, saying or whatever. <laughs> <age>. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, he's awesome, man. I mean, everything. I mean, his stories, I mean, I don't know what people say, but, I mean, I get what he's doing. Like, I mean, he called a timeout one minute into the game. Not like one minute into the game. The reason why he called a timeout wasn't because he told everybody, he says, would you fucking guys sit in your role of your numbers so I know who the fuck you are? <laughs> that was our timeout. Like, it was awesome. Like, you just, you never knew what was coming. I mean, uh, what was that? One? Like, we had Kenny Tasker in Wheeling, eh? Yeah. And Kenny loved it. Kenny would do anything for Brof. I mean, we all would, but I mean, Kenny was, I think if you ask Kenny, his goal in life was just to play for Brof, right? That was whatever. I remember one time he told, there was a guy in Atlantic City named Daniel Lacroix. Like, he used to play for Philly, I think, eh? Yep, yep. Yeah, and I remember he told Kenny, he said, Kenny, go talk to him in the warm up or whatever. Well, because Brof stood on the bench in every warm up, eh? He never went in the stands and he stood on the bench to watch to make sure that you were working hard in the warm-up because if you weren't working hard in the warm-up you wouldn't dress that's that was the rule so yep. he went as hard in the warm-up as he did in the game it was, it was awesome and he told kenny to go dog lacroix you know basically like go by and say something to him is kind of what it was eh? kenny stood behind the guy everywhere he went even where he was stretching he stretched behind lacroix and they were doing like three line shooting and never shut up the whole 15. Finally, at the end, of, it was getting to the end of the warm up. Bro calls me over to the bench. He's like, Cole, can you please go get Kenny now or whatever and bring him back to the bench? <laughs> he, he never stopped talking to him the whole time. I think Laquan was like, Who the fuck is this guy? And why won't he leave me alone? Like, oh, yeah, it was, you know, his, his stories were, you know, like, I don't know what else. I mean, he. I'd come in the room one morning to the dressing room. We lost the night before. He's, I walked down the hallway. He's in his office. He smashed every picture on his wall over his desk. <laughs> like, there's glass everywhere in his office. And I'm, I'm like, what's going on or whatever? He's like, he's still mad from the night before. So he took every picture that he had, and he broke every one over the corner of the desk. And our trainer's in there sweeping up glass. And it's... Yeah, but he was so he, he he it mattered so much to him. Like I mean, you have to just kind of understand the man. Like it was, I asked Lanny McDonald about it because I ran into Lanny McDonald and Lanny played for him in Toronto, right? Yep. And 
he said, I said, how do you think of bro? He said, the only thing I can say is nobody, he was just misunderstood. I said, that's exactly how it is. Brof never told anyone to go fight. So if anyone tells different, they're full of shit. Yep. Yeah. He wanted you to go out and do what you did. And if you fought at the end of a game where we were losing, you were not playing the next game, if if at all, ever. Again. Really? Yeah. That's That was the rule. You made the fucking mess, you stay in it till the end. That was his rule. You want to fight? You fight one minute into the game when it matters and set the tone. Or if shit happens during a game, you know what? You can settle the score or whatever. But he never once sent people out, not in my time, to go fight at the end of a game. Well, there you go. So, there you go, folks. You heard yeah. it right from the uh, right from uh, the horse's mouth. Actually, a, a guy that uh, I've talked to on Twitter, uh, Greg Inkpen's his name. Um, he actually uh, has written a biography on Brophy, and he's looking to get it published. So I'm really hoping that comes out because he talked to a ton of people and and. And he and he's really happy with the results. So hopefully that book gets published because I'd love. Yeah, to I talked to him for about a, I talked to him for about an hour here. I was going to ask you, did you talk to Greg about that? Yeah. Yeah, we talked this summer, probably for about an hour. Yeah, I I really hope that book comes out because that would be a hell of a read. Yeah, like he's that type of guy. Like he love you either love bro or you hate bro. There's. To me, there's no in between. If you if you hate him, it's because you're not willing to do, or you don't you don't understand where he's going. All he wants you to do is just battle like that. There, don't show no pain. Don't show no tire. You know, I mean, it's old school, but you you don't show that. Like you just you have you're a warrior, and you just keep going and going. You do that for him, even though he puts on you know there's the antics like I said you know or. You know, he does some off-the-wall stuff. I mean, I find it I, – I, at that time, it was awesome to me. I, I never knew what to expect coming to the ring. But he will do anything for you. Like, like I said, it was it, – it was, I learned more from that guy. I thought I was in shape at 29 years old. I thought I knew what being in shape was. I had no idea what being in shape was. I came to camp in Wheeling at 200 or Wilkes-Barre at 225 pounds. He told me if I wasn't 213 pounds by opening night, I wasn't playing. <laughs> and I got down to 215 in a matter of two weeks. Oh, I said, I guess I'm not. I said, I guess I'm not playing. He said, Don't worry, you'll play. But that's how he was. You you did, and you know what? He was right. Yeah. I always played my whole all my hockey. I played at 225, 230 pounds. That you need to be 210, 213 pounds. He says, you'll play like you've never played before. He was exactly right. He he showed me how it was to be in shape. I remember skating around in, uh, we, he would skate, he, he skated you. Like there was no doubt about it. It was nothing to come in, in the, in the practice and just say, we're doing 50 laps right now. And I remember skating and like, he would do, Brof would do two to three drills in an hour and a half. That's it. There was, and you were, you basically, you went nuts in practice because you were so tired of battling in one-on-ones for like 40 minutes. I mean, I remember, I think I had 10 fights in practice. <laughs> like, I, I think I fought Walsh twice, two or three, or two or three times. I know I fought him twice in one practice. 
Like you, 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 you just got so tired and, you know, pissed off because it would just go on and on and on and on. But I, man, I'll tell you, once you got into a game, you could go forever and you were not tired. You were not hurt. You were not, he just made you into a piece of metal. Yeah. If you were willing to do that, he would do anything for you. Like, you know, but if you weren't willing to do that, I remember we were skating in practice and it was three laps one way, three laps. And he doesn't quit. And we had a kid that came down from NCAA college. I don't know if he, what happened, but he left college. He came down to play for us from like Providence or something like that. And he thought he was in shape. And I remember skating around practice. And I mean, it was bag skating every day. And this kid was dying. And I remember going around and I was going half speed to stay behind him just to make it so it wasn't, it didn't look bad. And I could never do that in my, all the years I played hockey. And I remember just gliding behind him and I could go forever. And I remember just kept tapping on the ass. Like he wanted to quit. I said, do not stop. Don't stop. Or he'll just keep on you and on you and on you. Fuck. I said, whatever you do, keep your feet moving. And Brof knew that I was not finishing last on purpose or I was doing it on purpose to stay ahead behind this guy to help him out. And I remember we got to the end and he went to get water. I said, don't go get water. Just stay where you are. Don't move. Fuck. I need to get a drink. He fucking went and got a drink. And I just remember him screaming at him like, are you fucking quitting? Are you fucking quitting on me? Get the fuck out. He, he shipped him out right after practice. There you go. It's a, it's a, it was a different time back then for sure. Yeah. So sorry about the long story, but well, hey, that was, he was. that was great. I mean, it's, well, you're talking about Brophy. I mean, that's one of the most legendary names in, in, in hockey. I mean, yeah, nothing but time Brophy stories. But yeah, just going on wheeling there, um, while you were talking about before, what was uh, like Ken Tasker? I mean, that guy just looks like an animal in watching some of his fights. Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny because Kenny and the story with Ken, and we actually fought in Birmingham one night. I remember there was actually Thompson was in the with me. We were in Augusta. We were playing in Birmingham, and he was starting with us in the morning skate. Actually, Kenny was shooting pucks at the glass at us when we were standing down there, like because one team skates in the morning and then the other team comes in and skates after, right? Yep. So he was getting shit going in the morning skate, eh? So anyway, this. Uh, Ends up the game starts and I'm me and Thompson are in front of the bench in Birmingham. Shit starting to break out. He grabs me by the back of the hair from the bench, and I turn around and fucking blasted him like right back into the bench, whatever. And all the shit broke loose, whatever. So anyway, that that happens, whatever. The next time we play each other, they suspend us all because they knew shit was going to break out. So they would suspend you against that team, even if it was a month later. You couldn't play in that game. So when I'm I'm in Wheeling or whatever, but this, when we went to Wilkesbury Scranton, I started in camp there. So I go to get to Wilkesbury, and I go to check in at the hotel, and they said, "Well, you'll be rooming with Ken Tasker." That's the first time that I would seen him since that shit happened in Birmingham. Eh? <laughs> so I go to the room or whatever. He's not there, but his stuff's in there. So I'm sitting on the bed or whatever, watching TV, and all of a sudden the door opens, or whatever. And I'm like. How is this going to go down? Because I'm thinking we're going to fight in the room, eh? So he comes in or whatever, and he's like, hey, how's it going, man? Nice to meet you, whatever. I said, yeah. And I said, do you fucking remember what happened in Birmingham? And he was the same type of thing. He's like, oh, well, you're not still mad about that, are you? 
I said, well, I guess I'll have to let it go since we're going to fucking be living together for the next week or whatever. Right? <laughs> actually, he, you know, Kenny's an awesome guy. Kenny and I were really good friends in Wheeling. Now, he actually came over and had dinner at Thanksgiving with us and everything. Like, I, great guy. You know what? He's not. He is not an animal. That is not at all. He just gets on the ice, and he just he does what he has to do. But yeah, if you I, were meeting Ken. Yeah, 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 that's what I meant. Yeah, just like just yeah. his fighting style, just wide open and just, yeah. Oh yeah, he's wide open. He don't care if he gets hit thirty times. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but awesome guy. Do anything for you. Stick up for you. You know, if you're gonna play against them, you'd probably go. He'd probably come. Well, we did play against each other after that, and you know, we were actually became good friends. And I said to Kenny, I said, Kenny, there's lots of other guys to fight on this team. I said, I'm unless you and I. He's like, No, Cope, I'm not fighting with you. He said so. But yeah, he was. No, he. His fight with Sand and all that is awesome. I mean, that oh, shit yeah. that he did there, like, it's just toe-to-toe, man. Yep. You know. Well, so, man. Smart guy, too. Yeah, he, uh, well, I heard he, like, sold his own merchandise and shit. Like, Thompson was oh, telling yeah. me that. Made his own stuff up. Sold his own fight tape and his t-shirts or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd be canny. Yep. Well, here's, a like, another veteran guy that you played with at that, uh, Mark Major. Mage, yeah, he's, uh, by the time I got there, he was, I think I was 29 and he was like 31, so. Yep, yep. He's a, he's a, he's a, when he first, I first met Mage, I mean, he was kind of, he's a grumpy guy. (laughs) He he doesn't like, doesn't really like anybody, but by the end of the, by halfway through the season, I mean, he's, uh, he was a perfect brof guy. I mean, he fit right in with that. He's. He didn't fight as much by then. I mean, he kind of, I kind of, we kind of looked out for him, whatever. But he wasn't afraid to show up. But he was, we're getting older. But he's a great guy. I mean, we were got to be pretty good friends by the end of the year. So yeah. Well, and then another guy we were just talking about, and I was talking, I've talked to him on Twitter quite a bit here lately, and hopefully we'll get him on the show here. Was uh, Brendan Walsh? Walsh, yeah, he's. He was with us part of the year, and then he ended up in Scranton, I think, for the part, the last part of the year. Yeah, he's uh, well, he, he's a good guy to get on your show. I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> podcast, because oh yeah, that guy can talk, man. There's no doubt about that. He, I'm a quiet guy when I played. I mean, and I ran into him, and that was like <laughs> that's like water and oil, man. It's just he's not very big, eh? But I'll tell you, he. Don't back down from no one. He's like a bulldog, eh? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and his mouth is always going. He'll be the first to say he's from Boston, right? Like so. Yep. Yeah. He, he, uh, he, he's not. He doesn't. He he he. He'll get you going at any time. It don't matter if it's on the ice or in the dressing room on the bus. It don't matter. He's always got something to say about something. <laughs> always. Yep. <laughs> but well, he can. You you get into it. You can he can take it back to like in the dressing room or something like that. We used to get it, give it to him pretty good, but he had he had a pretty good sense of humor. Well, he uh, well, and then there's another guy, um, Bruce Watson. Waddy, yeah, Waddy's uh, Waddy's a brawler. That's what he is. I mean, he he he'll fight anybody. Anytime, I ran into him in Quebec after too. The next year, he was out there. 
that league a little different. That league ter- that league wears on you a bit. I mean, he, he he'll brawl anybody, and he usually wins most of his fights. I mean, he, him and I talked out there that year, and I think even that was wearing on him a little bit too. Yeah. Well, and then uh, just to kind of conclude that the East Coast League stuff, I'll just throw a few more names at you. It was, uh, you know, and unfortunately, um, he was a young guy, but he's a tough dude. But, uh, you know, obviously some personal issues, and, and, and we lost him far too young. But uh, do you remember uh, Trevor Ettinger? Yeah, I do. He's a, he's a big kid, I think. He played in Dayton. Yep, yep. Yeah, we had I think we had a couple fights that year, too. He's you know, he was, yeah, I was, that, I read that the next summer that something happened there, so, yeah. but yeah, good young kid, he was only 21, I think, I think he was drafted by Edmonton, yeah. but uh, he's a good fighter, good fighter, like, I mean, I remember, that's what I'm trying, that's what I was saying, like, I think by the time I left there, I was, I mean, I'm fighting guys like him and Flynn and, uh, I can't remember who the other, some of the other guys were. Brad Roth and. Yeah, like these are they're big guys, man. I mean, I mean, I could throw with them. There's no big deal there, but yeah, these guys are coming up junior, man. They're six five, two forty, two fifty. At Bannons, I mean, it didn't matter. Like Mashevsky, I remember he was a big kid. Uh, yeah, it was. No, I mean, I'm an average sized guy back then. Yeah, well, they. Uh, uh, well, and then here's a, he just finally retired this year, but I mean. You know, went on had a legendary career was uh, Trevor Gillies. Gillies was I played against Gillies his very first year of pro hockey, I think, and then I played against him in Wheeling, actually, if I remember right. I think he was playing for Richmond, but uh, never fought him. No, I don't know if he fought Kenny. He might have fought Kenny, I think, in the game we played him there, but. I mean, he was just a young kid, too, out of junior and stuff like that. I mean, fast forward 15, 10, 15 years, I mean, these guys, they change a lot. Yeah. But, yeah, he's a game. I never really got to know, like I said, didn't play against him that much. But, yeah, he was just a young kid when I was first saw him. So. Well, and another guy that did it a long time and uh, was wide open, old dub guy, and uh, but a little dude, but would give her shit, was uh, Tyler Willis. Willis. Yeah, uh, I think Willis was down in South when I was playing. Yeah, he was part of that. Well, yeah, that year I played in Raleigh, I think. Baton Rouge had a tough team that year. It was him and uh, Brown and Lowe. Uh, yep. There was a couple other guys on that team. Yeah, that was – yeah, he was another small mouth guy. <laughs> Ray, like, never – never. he's like Walsh, eh? Yeah. Just, uh, but always there, waiting to go. But uh, he's going to tell you all about it too. <laughs> yeah, we actually had a guy. I think back when I played Raleigh, that name was Dave Conniff. He used to, yeah, I think his dad was a coach with the New Jersey Devils at one time. But uh, he was a tough little bugger too. I think him and Willis always used to get at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's the, the little guys. Yeah, they're like you said, they're like little like bulldogs right they just keep coming and coming and telling you all about it while they're doing it well i'll just throw one more name at you before we roll into quebec but uh uh just uh, you fought him a couple times uh jason spence spence yeah he's just a 
another quiet guy. He never says much. He's not not real big guy. He actually does. He's not a bad fighter. He put, I mean, I don't know how many years he played. I mean, I think he was in, up there when I was playing in the South. And he was always a two, two, three hundred minute guy for sure. But stick up for his teammates, right? Never. Oh, yeah. Like shit he, about it. Like he was in Johnstown forever. Yeah. 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 No, just another good guy, like honest fighter, show up every night. Even if he meant he might not be able to beat the big guys, he'd still fight them. You know, there's yeah, good, well, good guys. Yeah, like I bring him up. I was watching the Johnstown DVD the other night, and he's on there a bunch of times. And yeah, he was uh, he rolls dudes on that. Yeah, he uh, yeah, like you said, he was always willing because the fight numbers were always there. Well, yeah, and, and not and not a sideshow either, right? He never, no, you know, no, just his job, and yeah, no, exactly. Well. Dan, we're kind of we're coming to the end here, the final year of your career. Uh, like, well, most guys are winding down. You go to the jungle, so it's two thousand two, two thousand three, and you sign up to to join the to join the crew of the Laval Chiefs. Now, how did this all come about? How'd you uh, how'd you end up in Laval? Those guys that recruited uh, back then, like they started on me. The whole, like, because I didn't, the whole year, the whole summer I got done in Wheeling, or the year that summer when I was finished in Wheeling, they phone you probably every second day because the owner of that team wanted a team like Slapshot, right? That's why he called them that. Yep. That was, you know, so he wanted every, and he wanted guys that could play. Like, they actually flew me there in the summer, me and my wife, to hang out for, like, five days and paid for everything just to get me to play there. So he was loading up with tough guys that he, that could play. Cause the year before they had like that league kind of started out with like bouncers and yep. senior guys and that, that were, so then he got the idea, like if I can bring in all these ex players and pay them big coin, like at that time, you know, which is what he did. Like, I mean, and I could have made way more money playing for another team in that league, but you were going to be playing for a team that was probably going to win 10 games or and you were going to be fighting all these guys and you're probably going to be doing it with two other guys beside you, right? Yep. Or you can go join Verdun or St. John or Laval, you know, and play on a good team. But Rizanzoff was already there, right? So he was he went before I did. I was him and Han still on the fence whether I was going to go down there and play or not. I came home from work one night after I was done, and I just said, "That's on this. I'll, I'm coming or whatever." So I was on a plane the next morning and flew in there. I lived with Razanzov. Uh, basically, what they did is I'd play a month in and come home for a week because my wife and you know my kids were at home. So I would go in and they just you know basically they paid you by the game type of deal. And so I ended up playing. I was suspended for a bit too, but. Yeah, that's how I ended up there, and I ended up with all, you know, back with probably the biggest team on the planet, so. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah, and that was the thing with the Quebec League, and, uh, I mean, obviously it has its, re- and rightfully so, that it has the rep that it does, but, uh, yeah, the kind of that O two 2 season, kind of moving forward after that, they kind of really got away from the, the senior hockey thing, and started kind of taking it, like you said, serious, and, like, there was, like, some big-name dudes Later on, like that old, like from 02 and then 04, 05, 05, 06, um, like I, I 
that 05 time is kind of right when I kind of got involved with the league and new people in it and stuff. And there was a lot of money getting thrown around. And there was some really good... I mean, after you got rid of the fighting and the sideshow and, and the craziness, I mean, everybody knew what it was all about. But once they got down to playing, it was really good hockey. You know, because they brought it, it a lot. It was. Like, even with that team I played on. Yeah. Like, if you look at the guys that are on that roster, yep. like Craig Martin, Pat Cote, Raz, uh, Mike DeGers, myself, uh, uh, Mario Jolly, uh, you know. What, Bobby Dallas? We had guys I mean, like... Bobby Dallas, Michelle Mongeau, you know, yeah. like we could play, man. Like there was, we, we what we did is we could have won, finished first in the, in the whole thing, but we didn't because we had to make, you know, put on the circus too, right? Yep. So when Laval came to town, there was, you know, you'd go to Verdun Coliseum or whatever it was called there. It seats 7,000 people. There's 5,000 people in the warm-up. Yep. Like that's how big of a deal it was. Uh rolling in there because they wanted to see this traveling circus or whatever. Not, not that we could, we could play, but they wanted, you know, their 10, 12 fights. Right. So we, you do it because that's what they were there for. You know, we might win that game. We might not win that game. It wasn't a big deal. Once the season was over and the playoffs came around, it was like, okay, we're, we'll fight, but we're going to win the league now. And that's yeah. just what we did. Right. Yeah. But, oh yeah. Like, you, you look, you, like playing in that league at that time, I mean, I've had a few conversations about that league lately. That year, that time, that team, you, I don't care who you are, there will be no tougher team that ever played ever than that team. Yeah. Well, it's just that look, hands down. Well, you just look at Rabi, Razanzov, DeGers, uh, you, Craig Martin, Bajerni, Renard, Chad Richard, Patrick Cote, Louis Bedard. I mean, yeah, it's just ridiculous, right? Yeah. Uh, and you know what? I can't believe that you know. And I, I told I had a ton of respect for the teams that weren't like us that actually showed up to play. Yep. Because if you, they had to either not know who we were, or they absolutely had biggest balls I've ever seen to show up and play. It was like throwing a pack, you know, a stake out to a pack of wolves, right? You, you, there was nowhere to go. Like you were gonna, you weren't getting out. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, well, just to, yeah, well, exactly. Well, to throw some names at you, like you said, the owner Berger. I mean, he's legendary around there. The that Bob Berger. I mean, if anybody's seen the the documentary out there called La Chiefs, I mean, he's uh, you know, you kind of get a taste of uh, uh, you know, you get to you see him on the video and kind of get a taste of what he was like. What was he like behind the scenes? Same way. Yeah. He, he was quiet. I mean, he was he was a businessman, right? That's yep. what it was. It, it was a business. I mean. He was making big money off that. Like, yeah. I mean, he told me what he was doing in beer sales one night, and I was just like, "You got to be kidding me, man!" Like, I mean, he he threw some like sixty grand a night in beer. Yeah, something he told me. Like, <laughs> it was, yeah. He 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 he, you know, he paid us well, and but you know, he it was he wanted what he wanted, and he was gonna he had his own office in that place, and half the guys lived in the rink. Like yep. it was, you know. And uh, people were, it was packed, there was three or four grand in there every night, man. Like, and they were loyal. Like, I mean, these guys were, I mean, it was, like, I always tell people, Quebec story, my wife and son came out there for probably two weeks of the season. I don't know if I let them come to, I let them come to one game. That's it. Because there's no way I was letting them go in that rink. It was actually on the road 
to a lesser team, I let them, I let her and my son come to the rink because if it was in Laval, I wouldn't let them in the rink. Yeah, well, she she probably just like yeah, you, you don't want your wife hanging out in the house of pain. <laughs> well, it's not safe, eh? Like it just it wasn't, you know, there was shit breaking out in the crowd and like fighting and yeah. stuff like that. I mean, they would. If they knew she was my wife, they would take care of me. They would Laval people. They'd be, you know. But there was no way I was letting let them go in there. I mean, that was a, that's a zoo. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we won't even get into the biker thing and the money and all that. But uh, did yeah. you ever get? Because uh, I know some. Like I said, I know a lot of guys in that league that were involved in anything. Did they? Uh, did you have anything worked out where they paid you per fight? <laughs> no, they paid me per just per game. Per game. Yeah, it was it was all right. Not a, you know what, and I don't know what. I mean, we all kind of talked, right? And at that time, you know, like I mean, I could have went to somewhere else and got fifteen hundred a night. You know, that was hands down. But or we were all taking a, probably a little bit less and all playing together, right? Playing on for Laval, so it was kind of one or the other. You can go fight it. You can come play against us and make double or triple the money. But have fun, you know what I mean? Like, good yeah. luck. So, you know, plus we played longer than everybody else too, right? So you're still playing more games, right? So getting more money. Yep, yep. Well, just to kind of run down, just kind of get your thoughts on a few of the teammates. Well, one, I mean, obviously he's had a had a hell of a life after hockey. hasn't been too good for him. But, uh, you know, was Patrick Cote, what was he like? Cote, yeah, he didn't say two words. Man. That's that was he doesn't he doesn't talk. Nobody nobody really knows him, right? Like you just he he could disappear for two weeks. You'd never see him, right? That was that was Cote. Like, yeah, well, he's you know, the, and, the shady shit. Yeah, like yeah. but I mean, as far as hockey goes, still doesn't say a word. <laughs> like he just goes out on the ice. If you watched his NHL fights or whatever he does, and then the same thing, he just chases you down. That's, that's yep. what he's going to do. Doesn't tell you he's doing it. Doesn't tell you who he's doing it against. He just goes out on the ice and just hunts you down. That's what he was. All he wanted to do was fight. Yep. He's a scary man. Like, he was legitimately a scary guy. Like, yeah. you could beat him. Like, you might beat him. It wouldn't. It didn't matter. He was just going to come back out the next shift and go fight you again. Yep. Yeah, no, that's a friend of mine. Yeah, he was out there. And he was, and he had played in the minors and been around. He was like, yeah, Cote's pretty well. Like, he goes, there's just something about him. He goes, he's just like, he goes, I think he's like the meanest guy that I ever played. But he goes, it just, because he just doesn't give a shit. He goes, he's just got that dead, dead eyes and just, yeah. Well, you, you asked me, I, I know, I mean, I grew up, Bob Probert, Marty McSorley, you name it, Rick Tockett. Patrick Cote's, Gates, Patrick Cote is one of the scariest guys to ever skate. Yep. I'm tell, that in my, I'm 45 years old, lived, lived hockey, grew up with tough guys, played with them. Patrick Cote would probably be top two scariest guy I've ever seen. My friend said the same thing, and he has been around a lot of dudes. Yeah, and and he played and everything, and he said the same thing. Yeah. Well, and speaking of, I mean, doesn't get much more legendary than this guy. I mean, the stories are endless and. But I'll throw it at you, uh, Link Gates. Yeah, you know what? I mean, I missed him out there. Every like the one game, like I would love to have fought Gates. That was, you know, but 
the one game I think I was away from the home at the time they played. I don't know who where who he was with because he seemed to change teams like every oh yeah every month or whatever. And then the game I was playing against him, I think he was in Granby. Well, he's suspended, right? So to to get Gates, I mean, you know, if he was playing, right? I know they said Rab fought him. Robbie fought him the night in, in Laval. And, I mean, you know, Gates is – he would throw. He would fight. I mean, he, he he's Gates, right? I mean, he's he was awesome when he was young. And, uh, and by the time he was getting out there, I mean, he was – He's getting older, right? He's getting a little slower or whatever, but he'd still stand in there and do it. But I heard they said Rabo beat him to a pulp, like, you know. But he's the legend, right? Like, Oh, yeah. He's, he's, gonna, he's doing it. He'd do it today, you know what I mean? Like, he's never going to back down. He's never going to quit. Like, yeah. you know, and he, he, so Martin fought him too, I think. And, you know, you know, and you have respect for the guy. I mean, if you – I would anyway. I mean, if he fought you, it'd be like, great. I mean, I got to got to fight this guy, right? That that'd be my attitude. So, yeah. Well, that was the thing. Like, I've seen a million Gates fights, and even in the Quebec League and stuff. Yeah, like it was never, um, you know, it was a square off fight. When it was done, it was done. I mean, he wasn't throwing shots over the ref or anything. But uh, yeah, you know, that's the one thing that probably surprised me more than anything is he wasn't. Either, you know, he would just yeah, he would. It was over, and he. He almost in a way kind of felt bad, right? Like he, you know, the guys had a hard time or whatever, and fought all these battles and fought every tough guy there was, and you know, you just leave him alone, kind of thing. You know, it's kind of I think where it was, you know, that's how I felt anyway. But yeah, well, and that was the thing, right? After that car accident when he was up in the NHL, I mean, that ended it, right? When he had the brain damage and stuff, and I mean, like somebody said, he should have had a ten-year NHL career. Because they said he was a really good player, too, at the time. Like yeah. He could skate and everything. And, and, I mean, there was no questioning his toughness when he was 21, 22. I mean, Stan and going to Probert with – Stan toe-to-toe with a prime Bob Probert in the Cow Palace in San Jose when you're 22 years old. I mean, there you go. It says it all. But, unfortunately, you know, bad decisions. And, and he ends up, uh, you know, life in the minors. And, yeah, but it was um, – yeah, man, it, uh, that that would be an interesting uh, story. Of that guy, a biography on that guy, would be uh, would be interesting. Well, I'd, I definitely would have loved to be in the same dressing room with him because I <laughs> I don't know what it would be like, but I don't know. It, it has to be interesting. Oh yeah, like I said, well yeah, Fred White, he did. I'll try to get him on the show. I mean, he'll he has Link Gate stories for days. But yeah, there's some some uh, some head shaking stuff anyway. But uh, but yeah, just go down. Well, actually, a guy that you fought a few times, and I was actually a really big fan of his, um, was uh, Dean Mayrad. Yeah, I, I mean, a lot, I fought him a lot, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm on the fence with that one with him. Like, he would, and I don't know if you, he might see, everybody's going to have their own version of it. I, I've always you know, squared off with him and everything like that. But he kind of, he pissed me off one night. I had a chance. He had a, might've been round four or five. I don't know how many times we fought, but I said, you know, he jumped me one time. I said, you want to fight? And he looked away. There was kind of a line brawl going on. And then he suckered me. And after that, I was not a big fan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, no, he's a guy. If I, if I was playing every game, 
I'm coming after him. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Right. Yeah. It, uh, it's the battles. Um, well, a guy that you played with, I mean, and he put up some, uh, he did a ton of fighting for you guys that year was, uh, Chad Richard. Yeah. Rich, he was, you know, he, he actually is more entertainment than that guy. I love even off the ice. I said, he was, uh, he's a character, man. Well, he's from Alaska, right? He's a, like a, he looks like a bear. <laughs> he acts <laughs> like a bear. You know, but he's the nicest guy, teddy bear off the ice, whoever you meet, you know. So he's, uh, you know, good fight anybody, fight even if win or lose. I mean, I think at that time we were all getting a little older and getting towards the end too. So, I mean, I remember playing against him when he was younger too. So he was a pretty scary guy. Yeah. Well, well and then we, and then um, another guy uh, that would, that bounced around down there. And I mean, I don't know how many fights this guy ended up with in his career, but you had talked earlier about bouncers and stuff. Was uh, Jacques Dubay in Quebec? Oh, him, yeah. You know what? I think this guy was just happy to just drop his gloves, get his five minute fight in, and if it was even, and then get to the penalty box. But oh yeah, you know there these guys. There were some of these guys that I thought shouldn't, you know shouldn't be fighting these guys, but give whatever. I don't know how many fights he had, but, you know, definitely when you've seen him out there, a lot of guys I know just probably wouldn't take him that serious. <laughs> well, yeah, apparently he was like a tough kind of like local, like kind of a local legend, like a bouncer or something. Oh, is that right? Yeah, and then it was like, well, we're going to teach him how to skate, and yeah, you can just go oh. fight. And he's like, okay, you know, kind of like a Doug Doug Smith kind of thing. But yeah, the year oh, you, yeah. the year you were there, he played for the Quebec Aces. He played in forty four games. He had seventy seven fights. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> give him, I mean, to get seventy seven fights takes a lot of work. I'll give him that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I know. I I I know he was running. I remember playing against him in Quebec. I think I actually fought the guy, and I was like, yeah, really? Did. This is what <laughs> I go, I'm going with this guy. <laughs> like, so. No disrespect, but I mean, it well, it was funny. Way. Funny enough, the next year he had eighty-one fights. Yeah. <laughs> I hope he got better. Actually, towards the end, he actually got. Yeah, he did get a lot better. Actually, him and John Morasti had some really good fights, like two minutes oh, long. Right? Oh yeah, like two minutes long, like ridiculous. Yeah, he eventually learned some balance, and uh, yeah, but uh, well, well, good. If he hung in there with Morasti. He did must have got a lot better. Oh yeah, yeah, he. Um, well, here's an interesting guy. Before I let you, I know I've talked I've talked your ear off here. We're uh, going on like two and a half hours, so I won't take up too much more of your time. But I'll just throw a couple more names at you. And we'll wrap up. But uh, um, <clears throat> pardon me. There's a guy always out in the West Coast League, and then I know you fought him here in the Quebec League. Was uh, Ashley Langdon? Oh yeah, yeah. That fight I think I've seen on YouTube. It is on YouTube. Yep. Actually, yeah. most of your Quebec League fights are up. Yeah, yeah. I know there's got to be a somebody's got to have those videos up there. I know there was always a camcorder at the games, but yeah, they get hard to find. But Langdon, yeah, he was. Uh, uh, he's on the wrong team. <laughs> That's the problem with Langdon. I think he ended up on one of those other teams out there. They must have been paying him some good money. Yeah, but, he was uh, on LaSalle. Yeah, I mean. 
not good when you're on <laughs> as I said, throw the pack throw the stake out to the pack of wolves. I think that is what it it turned out. I mean he put up huge penalties that kid in the West Coast League, I think, oh, is yeah. where he came from. And, yep. But I mean you get into that league and it's just like Yeah, so did all of us. <laughs> yeah, you're just another name at that point, yeah. Well, then the final guy who ended up really making a name for himself in that league and was around, and I mean, you go on YouTube and type in his name and his fights are on some unbelievable battles, Is and we talked about him earlier when you, in the East Coast League, was Joel Theoro. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I think he's the one guy. I don't know how many times we fought. Three or four times, I'm guessing. And, uh, man, I don't know. I don't know. He must have just packed it in. I don't think too long ago. I mean, he's he did that forever. <laughs> I don't know how he did it. Oh yeah, like he played up until yeah, he played uh, uh, two years. Yeah, last year was his last year. He played in Laval actually, 2016, 2017. Wow. Yeah, just some 15 games and 13 fights. And I mean, you go on there and it's like, you know, it's it's just toe to toe and yeah, some some unbelievable well, battles. Nice. I mean, I think he's a. You know what? I've never had a bad. I mean, I've seen him in the East Coast Hockey League. Seen him up there. We fought enough times. I guess four or five times is enough. I mean, yep. He's a. You know what? Nice guy. Like never. Didn't wasn't cheap. Never always squared off. You know. All, he's. You know what? He's. I think he's a well. They love him out there. I mean, yep. he played just about on every team and. Yeah, I got a ton of respect for that guy. He's Christ to do that for that long, man. <laughs> and he's a good, tough guy. Like he never, never backed down. He's in every fight. You know, I think I had him one good, caught him up one time there. But he, he doesn't. He's not looking for payback or anything like that. He just knows the next time he come out, we're gonna fight again. So. Yep. Yeah. Well, there. No, he's. Uh... Well, there. Well. There you go. We, uh, you know, covered the, went through the whole career and, uh, Hey man, I can't, uh, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and sharing your stories. Uh, that was great. I appreciate it. Yeah. No, I, like I said, I spew enough bullshit to everybody else. I might as well <laughs> tell it to somebody who wants to put it out there. If anybody wants to listen, I mean, it's, uh, I wouldn't change any of it. That's for sure. I, I you know, I, I, I don't miss hockey. I miss the, Nowadays, I miss the lifestyle and the friends and the guys that guys I've played with, fought against. Like I said, I have run into a few guys here or there, man. They're 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 good guys. I mean, I mean, ton of respect for them. Enjoy doing talking about it with you. I'm glad you could I could tell somebody some stories. Oh no, it was great. Yeah, and like I said, it's kind of been the yeah, and like you were just saying, that's that's sort of been as I've talked to Chris Waltz and Josh Mazer and. Uh, and Luke Karate and, and the other guys, it's a, that's sort of the common theme. It's not so much the uh, the playing, it's the boys, right? And uh, that's what you miss. And, uh, yeah, and like I said, and the respect for the role and, uh, and like, with, this, with, uh, with the podcast and with the Twitter account, uh, you know, that's, like, that's why I try to get you guys on and give you guys the, the voice because it's, like, I appreciate what you guys did out there and, uh, and the role. And uh, so to hear you guys tell the story and let people hear it, uh, you know, is is kind of the goal with the uh, with the podcast. No, it's been great talking to you guys. Yeah, well, like I say to those people, if you want to trust me, you'll be. If you were playing hockey at that time, you'd be. Uh, 
you'd be thanking guys like the the Terrios and the Mayrans and you know Rizanzos and all these guys. You'd be thanking God they were sitting beside you if you were yeah. playing because you know what, going it alone, we'll see how much fun you had and how much room you had out there to play and do what you wanted to do because. You'd be begging for guys like me to be out there with you. Yeah, well, yeah. Before we kind of wrap it up, it's kind of like, uh, like, do you watch any hockey anymore, or like, what's what's your feeling? Well, I kind of already know the answer, but I mean, just kind of get what's your feeling on the game and uh, and what they're doing with it. You know what? You can't blame the players. The players nope. are what they are. It's the people on the outside that uh, the the guys that I I don't can't stand that I, you know, on the media part of it that you know, playing it up, bashing, fighting, taking, thinking everything had revolved around fighting. And, uh, you know, they don't know what shit, what they're talking about. Most of these guys never played a, on a friggin' team sport in their life. So you're standing there telling me that fighting should be gone. And you have no reason, you don't have any idea why we did what we did. I mean, do I think it's going to happen happening now? No, it's not going to happen now, but to keep, blaming everything on fighting i'm listening last night and they're talking about fighting and taking pills and all that i mean how 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 can you just say fighters take pills i mean or drink and all hockey is a microcosm of society if i mean i don't have to play hockey i could go work at a bank and still be an alcoholic or pop pills yep you know i know there i mean yeah some of these guys get hooked on them painkillers for stuff like that i mean yeah that's sad i mean and we know the stories of the guys that did that Mm-hmm. I fought uh, 250 times in my life. I'm not sitting taking painkillers. I don't hardly drink, you know. Like, you know, or a concussion made me do it. No, a concussion doesn't make me do that. I mean, I, I, that's my take on it. And then, but you got someone like Damian Cox or or the guy from the hockey news telling me, no, no, this is the reason, and this and this and that. He doesn't have a clue what he's talking about. Yeah, well, that's what I was saying the other day on Twitter. Well, I've said it a million times on Twitter, and uh, but yeah, it was the unfortunately, I think, and actually, and Paul Bissonnette was talking about this last year on his podcast. He said, unfortunately, the vocal minority, they're the ones running the leagues now, because he goes, the leagues have to cater to you because you're the ones doing all the yapping, and unfortunately, they're the new age fan that doesn't understand, or you know, they grew up with this stuff. They didn't grow up in the '80s and '90s, and Unfortunately, this yeah, well, I mean, yeah, these guys got a, a a show or they're on TSN. How many's got you know, and they or they go on Twitter or they do a, whatever they do, and they're gonna what they say is the truth. I mean, well, you never played a hockey game. You have no idea what how this works. You didn't know what we did in the nineties or in all, or the eighties or whatever happened. But you got some guy telling you now that they said this is this is how it should be, and these guys are wrong, and this and that. You know, just beat it, man. Like. Total disrespect for the players that came, you know, that did what they had to do, and that's how it was. Do you know? I tell him this too. Nobody held a gun to my head to do what I had to do. I did it myself, and there ain't nobody else. You know, if I got a head injury or whatever, it's all on me. That's how I take it. But well, there you go. And like I said, that and that's always been the goal from day one with this podcast and with my Twitter account was to was to you know. You know, and a simple way to put it was to give you guys the voice. I mean, if anybody wants to know, don't go read the hockey news. They're not going to tell you. There you go. No. Dan Kopech just told you. And like you said, you lived it. You played pro, 200 and some fights, right from the horse's mouth. There you go. If you want the truth, there it is. Yep. 
that's it to me. You know, like I said, I'd do it all again if I had to do it again. So I wouldn't change one thing about it. Awesome, man. Well, Dan, I appreciate uh, appreciate you taking the time. I know it's getting late, and uh, but uh, no, this was great, man. I appreciate it, and uh, and uh, thank you very much. Well, thanks for having me. I uh, enjoy your Twitter account. And I like uh, reading what you guys have to say, and you know, sp- you know, speaking, getting it from us, the facts, and uh, you know. So, thanks for doing what you do, and thanks for having me on. Hey, man, I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, for anybody, Dan's on on Twitter. I'll put the links and everything up. I mean, uh, hey, you got you've seen his stats or whatever. Hey, ask him some questions. They're on there. They'll talk to you. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, no, it was great, and uh, I'll let you go, but thank you very much. You bet. All right, man, thank have a good you. night. Have a good night. Bye. Bye. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 